When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, boys and girls, for another special edition of the Michael Deacon program. Here we are again, boys and girls, live and direct for round two. Hopefully this time it works. I just had to push things over, break a few things, and now hopefully everything's working. Now, without further ado, boys and girls, we have two very special guests, Captain Dan Hanley and... Captain Doug Green, who both have appeared here before and will do so again. Please put your hands together for both of these kind gentlemen and let's 
Stop wasting time. And let's bring them right on in. My God. Hopefully this thing is working and all of you can hear me just fine. And I know all of you out there in the chat room can hear me just fine. But it depends on the guest if they can hear me. And this time, boys and girls, I believe everyone is ready to go. And uh, Dan, how's it going? Dan, uh, can you hear me all right now? I believe uh, both of these gentlemen can now hear me. What's going on, guys? How are you guys? Hello, Michael. Good evening. Thanks for having us on the program. Yes, I want to thank both of you guys for hanging uh, tough with me here. We had all kinds of uh, technical difficulties here. And my God, what a headache. What a headache. But regardless, we are back together again. And, uh, you know, I've been looking forward to this one for quite some time. Uh, Doug and Dan, both of you gentlemen, I respect a tremendous amount. And um, my God, so much to talk about here. And I'm glad both of you are here to give us an update with everything in relations to uh, 9-11. And uh, Dan, let's start with you for a moment here and then we'll kick it over to uh, Doug. And Dan, just give us a little bit of a background of yourself here for the newer listeners out there. I'll make this brief because people already know. Yes, sir. I went in I started a civilian flight training program, got my private commercial instrument, a multi engine rating over a two year period. 1973, I entered a Navy program, and over the next 10 years, through the P 3 Orion aircraft. And in 1978, I was hired by United Airlines as a pilot. Over the next 25 years, I flew seven different commercial airlines. Uh, airliners, all total of 35 year career span <clears> to <throat> 20,000 flight hours and 15 different aircraft. And Doug, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, Doug Green here. Uh, I'm actually an American refugee living in Germany. Uh, good morning to everyone from Germany. It's uh, approximately 5 10 in the morning. And uh, I ended up in Germany uh, after I started my aviation career first. Year. I eventually transitioned uh, into the United States Air Force uh, flight training, and I flew a fighter, a light attack aircraft, C-130, and eventually I, I put my way into commercial aviation, flying uh, air jets, Falcon 20s, and I was hired by United Parcel Service. That's where the nightmare began. Spent almost 20 years at United Parcel Service. I flew a variety of different airplanes, 747, 100, 200. Uh, upgraded to captain on the 767, 762 to 747, 400, MD-11. And uh, then I was targeted by UPS starting in 2011, they continued to 2013 for enforcing safety and security. And uh, they unlawfully terminated me um, based on fraud and lies by other pilots that undisclosed DUIs. And it stole tens of thousands of dollars from the company. And so subsequently, I was embroiled in a battle. Uh, my career. They tried to blackball me. I heard of Korean Airlines before UPS terminated me. When they found out where I was, they blackballed me. My training was stopped at Korean Air for no apparent reason. And my partner. And then um, I eventually took a job flying MD-11s for a company called Western Global out of Belgium. And, uh, and then I heard about an opportunity where I'm presently flying the Boeing 777 uh, for the past eight years. And I've accumulated approximately 5,500 hours on the 777 uh, flying uh, all over the world. And I have a total of about 
please, because UPS blackballed me, everything possible, and so I was forced out of my own country as a highly decorated military officer to uh, have to work overseas. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And uh, hopefully everyone out there can uh, hear us. I, I think they might be having difficulties again with the audio. Yes, we've been plagued with all kinds of weird audio issues here tonight. I, I really don't understand why. So I, I think they were having uh, some difficulty hearing you there, uh, Doug. you hear me? Hear you? Could they hear me, Michael? Is that coming up on chat, the messages you're getting? Yeah, I, I hear you just fine, bud. I think the chat room is having uh, some strange dif uh, difficulties here with uh, the audio. Can you people in the chat room tell me, can you guys hear my guests? Uh, I'm, hope I'm hoping that uh, they can hear us. We can hear you, but the guests, uh, very low volume. So for some odd reason, you guys are coming in really low, which is really unfortunate. I, I was hoping we wouldn't have uh, any more issues here. But unfortunately, we have um, so many damn issues here uh, tonight. I really don't know why, but they're saying you, you guys' audio is um, very low. Audio. Uh, and you're good. Yeah. Strange. Uh, were you having uh, these issues with uh, David Icke, uh, Dan? On what? Wow. I think well, we were on Zoom at the time, too. So we were talking for 45 minutes uninterrupted. So very odd. I don't get it. Well... Google and Microsoft have targeted me, Michael, not that that's anything, but uh, I've been having problems uh, with a lot of uh, applications I have, so I don't want to take the blame for that, but uh, I'm just paranoid this happening. Yeah, it's really, really unfortunate, and yeah, I, c I could see why they are complaining, because I, c I could see the audio levels now myself, and my God, I wish I wish this wasn't the issue. But unfortunately, it's one of those nights where everything is just not good. I hear you guys just great, but it's it's the um, people that are listening on uh, YouTube there. I, I guess I I have no idea what's going on here, folks. I just changed my the phone is tapped. They're saying. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Strange. Yeah, I mean, I could hear you guys just great. You guys sound great. Yeah, I, I sound okay, uh, according to the chat room there, and my god, guys. I really wish it was not like this, but we are kind of screwed here, boys and girls. I think we're gonna... I don't see anybody saying anything about whether or not they can hear us. I'm seeing this screenshot of uh, the, the world 767 yeah. hitting the World Trade Center. Yeah, you're seeing that jet just uh, slicing through butter. Oh, yeah. I think it's George Bush that's screwing with the show right now. Him and the FBI. Or, or Doug would say it's Mitch McConnell, his favorite person in government. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the ghost of John Lear. That's what yes. Donovan said. Uh, but, you know, I hear you guys just uh, fine now. Hopefully the audio has sort of fixed itself now. Uh, people are saying uh, it's better now. So whatever I did, I fixed it. Good. Yes, now they can hear you guys just fine. And uh, good Lord, guys, I don't know what the hell was going on. If you're just tuning in right now, we just experienced the most trouble I've ever had in about five years. But regardless, I'm glad they could hear you. But as long as I can hear you, that's all that matters. And I could fix all this uh, later on. But let's stop wasting time, boys, and stop 
all of this now everything's back on track and we could sort of get things started here everyone's saying the audio is great now so let's huh. get this uh party started here boys and girls and my god can you guys believe it's been that that long since that tuesday morning yeah 22 years Jesus. it has been a long while it's been an enormous amount of time that's for sure Oof. and people people ask michael why are doug and i still, still involved as yeah. you are yeah but uh that's the problem we can never let this go uh there was never a criminal investigation in 9-11 the 9-11 commission did not con constitute a criminal investigation in fact it did it was the next of kin that insisted on it and it didn't convene until a full 14 months after the event and uh the next of kin had a list of questions they demanded they wanted answered and out of the question 70 percent went unanswered and of the remaining 30 percent they only adequately answered 10 percent so the next of kin's out there demanding answers and what we're trying to prove in 9-11 by the whistleblowers that there were no Muslims at the control of the aircraft. And the Muslim community has been greatly harmed. That's 2 billion people, one quarter of the world's population, by Islamophobia and other problems they face. So those are two big reasons why we're still at it 22 years later. And uh, Doug, do you feel the same way as Dan does about there being no Muslims? Well, I think uh, I think we know that there were some uh, people of Islamic uh, faith that were on the airplanes, just like there were people of the Christian faith and maybe other faiths on the airplane as well. But uh, as Dan said, um, we don't believe that the uh, people of Islamic faith were controlling the aircraft. Were they on the aircraft? Yes, they were. I think there's evidence beyond reasonable doubt that says they were. Uh, but we do not believe that they were actually controlling the aircraft, and Dan will elaborate on that. Well, they found two of those passports in perfect condition, it seems like. So, I don't know, guys. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, you know, you know, I was just laughing about that, Michael. I'd love to have one of those passports. I mean, they're more powerful than Captain America's shield. They fend off, uh, you know, crashes. They fend off surface shoulder servers to air missile systems they've kind of bullets wow we we all need to have one of those right dan right yeah exactly uh michael can i get into briefly our organization what our purpose is just to direct people towards our website without going into detail absolutely go for it dan okay i currently serve as director and public spokesperson for a global grassroots effort called 9-11 pilot whistleblowers it's comprised not just of pilots but of members of the general public who have joined us from around the world. Uh, we've got a website at 911pilots.org and a YouTube channel at 911pilots. Uh, the purpose of our organization has been to show that there were no Muslim hijackers actually controlling the 911 aircraft, but that the aircraft were electronically hijacked and remotely controlled through employment of a system called the Uninterruptible Autopilot that takes complete control of the aircraft autopilot and flight management computer and guides the aircraft to its target, whether that is a building or another airport or out over water to blow up the airplanes, depending upon what you believe. Uh, our organization doesn't go beyond saying that the hijackers were not qualified to fly the airplane, but the, that the uninterruptible autopilot could, and we really don't 
address the planes, no planes issue, or whether or not a missile hit the air, the Pentagon, or whether it was American 77. But that's it in a nutshell. Our purpose, our goal, one of them anyhow, has been to recruit highly experienced and a trained, uh, whether they're active or retired military or civilian, civilian pilots from around the world who will attest to the fact that not only the hijackers were not qualified and couldn't fly the aircraft but profiles, but that they couldn't either. And Doug, Doug is one of the highly qualified active pilots we did recruit to get on film stating why he believes that the 9-11 hijackers couldn't fly the airplane. If you want to reiterate what you said in the video, uh, Doug, you might want to do that. Well, just to uh, piggyback on what you just said, uh, we're, we're quite disappointed uh, that within the airline industry, it's been so difficult for Dan to uh, recruit pilots to give their opinion, their expert opinion. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, in the 9-11 commission, or maybe we should say a mission report, they didn't have a single expert pilot witness. And, uh, you know, I was flying that day, uh, 747-100 as the first officer over the Yukon. And uh, we could hear a radio station on one of our non-directional beacons, and we couldn't believe our ears. And we were actually ordered to uh, land. Uh, just so happened to be uh, our destination was our closest uh, airport. And so we landed in Anchorage, Alaska. And uh, as I think the audience knows, and both you know, Michael, um, all airplanes were supposedly ordered to land. But the very next day, after we arrived in Anchorage, uh, somehow United Parcel Service got a get-out-of-jail-free card, and we launched. We took off, and we went uh, to uh, Narita Airport in Tokyo and uh, successfully completed our flight, and we went to the hotel, and there were tons of Northwest Airline employees that were stranded there. But uh, United Parcel Service, uh, being a very strong part of the corporate hidden ruling class, uh, they seem to get waivers for these types of things. And they can pretty much do whatever they want. Um, but uh, yeah, none the, go ahead, Dan. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Yeah. But nonetheless, um, you know, if we look at the, the entire scenario and what we believe to be an, a false narrative, um, and, and it's not a, just a belief, it's based on evidence beyond reasonable doubt. It's the, the, the actual narrative itself is the, is the conspiracy theory. You know, um, the reality of what happened based on facts clearly establishes that uh, the false narrative is a flagrant lie. And uh, and, and we, we should talk more about the specifics about that. Why don't you go ahead and highlight some of the details, Dan, from 911pilots.org. Well, Doug, I was going to have you reiterate what you said on the video interview of you, but I'll go ahead and give my two cents worth. Uh, these hijackers were not qualified to fly these aircraft. They were trained mainly in light single-engine uh, Cessna aircraft. And I flew those 55 years ago when I first started flying. And I also flew the 757 and 767 aircraft that were hijacked on 9-11. And I can unequivocally say that the vast differences in the instrumentation, the power, the size, the weight of the aircraft, that there isn't a snowball's chance in hell, those pilots could have flown those aircraft. Uh, the, just the avionics and navigation system on the aircraft is way too sophisticated for them to have climbed in. 
sight unseen and flown the airplane. I mean, you're talking about a 27-foot Cessna aircraft compared to a 160-foot 767, a power of 180 knots on a Cessna 172 compared to 48,000 pounds of thrust on each engine of a Boeing 767. You're talking about a weight of one ton versus 100 tons and a speed of 100 knots compared to 500 knots, which they claim was a clock speed on these aircraft. So you look at the vast differences in the aircraft, which we highlight on the website, 911pilots.org, and they're in, inexperienced. Uh, it, uh, the story is laughable, and we believe why did so many people fall for the official story or appear to have anyhow is that the government told them this was the case, that they had training. The media, the corporate owned and controlled mainstream media backed up the government's story. But most importantly, we think because 99% of the global population aren't pilots, they cannot conceive of the absurdity of this ludicrous notion that these hijackers flew those airplanes. Doug, you want to chime in? Sure. Um, even, you know, pilots that are highly trained, like Dan and I, and pilots that I still fly with, uh, we could not have pulled off such uh, outlandish maneuver, much less the fact that uh, some guys that were trained in Cessna 172s could have pulled this off on their first attempt. Right. And not just one one attempt, you know, three alleged attempts. It's impossible. The width of the 767 is about the width of the actual uh, Twin Towers. And so they exceeded the max structural airspeed of the airframe approximately 110 knots. Um, no pilot with the experience level of the alleged, uh, of the alleged assailants could have done this. It's absolutely impossible. The flight management computer on the uh, 757, 767, and the 777 um, are the same, similar, um, almost identical. And to just learn how to operate that to hit the target and to put the latitude and longitude coordinates in would be too complicated for somebody that was just trained in a single-engine Cessna. So it's actually laughable to to think that this fantastical story could be true. But once again, this is why they didn't have expert right. witnesses, pilot witnesses at the 9-11 Commission here. And they wanted to push this false narrative to the point where anybody that questioned it was labeled a conspiracy theorist. Now, that phrase has been coined to be associated with people that... You know, well, cuckoo. actually, Doug, I, I hate to interrupt you there, but they were calling people much worse than that during that time. They were calling you, not you, but anyone who questioned the narrative during that time, especially that soon. You were considered like a piece of crap. You were an a-hole. You shouldn't be in America. You're a terrorist yourself. Right. Yeah, you were really, exactly. you were really shamed just for questioning the narrative. It was pretty outrageous. It was outrageous. And when you think about it, Michael, they used this uh, whole scenario to create some sense of nationalism and pride to rile up their base. Oh, it worked. To be, quote, the the American people. Oh, it it did work. Oh, yeah. Everybody was was American. It was psychological warfare at its finest. Even, Even people in Australia were American. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody was stand. Everybody was stand united. I remember all the commercials. 
Michael, can I talk about Hani Hanjur and the Pentagon head? Absolutely. I want you to talk about that. I want you to drive home that point, the the difference yeah. between a 747 and a Cessna. I mean, it, it, there's a major difference there. And I want you to right. really drive that point home to everyone out there, to the simpletons, to the scholars, to the everyday man. I really want you to drive that point across because these maneuvers that these the hijackers performed were just insane. Not even the best pilot could pull these maneuvers off. And there's been uh, multiple simulations uh, of which, right. yeah, of which these flight patterns were tried uh, to be mimicked and uh, sort of um, recreated by actual pilots who are rather experienced and they couldn't do it themselves. Right. Not they even couldn't. close. Before I start talking, I want to tell the people in the chat room and the audience listening to this, uh, no, I know all the stories about a missile hitting the Pentagon and the hole being too small, there not being any parts, etc. But I'm just going with the official narrative, and that was American 77 flown by Hani Hanjur flew it into the Pentagon. So before you light off the chat room for Michael, uh, let me... Uh, explain what we're talking about. Hani Hanjur came to the States in the mid-90s to take flight training, and he was uh, logged by many people, admitted in the in the uh, mainstream media that he was a very poor student, that he could barely fly an airplane, he could hardly speak English, which is a requirement to get a rating. But anyhow, he went back to Saudi Arabia. He's 29 years old, goes back to Saudi Arabia, and came back before 9-11 and tried to re-enter Jet Tech Flight School in Arizona, and they wouldn't take him because they said he was such a poor student the first time he was there. They didn't want to waste assets on him. You can go on our website to the hijackers in the drop-down menu and read a number of stories about that were printed in the mainstream media about Hani Hanjur's uh, lack of experience. But anyhow, the maneuver he supposedly performed, he, he took off out of Washington Dulles Airport, heading for the West Coast, and uh, he got to cruising altitude for a while. Then, in about face, a 180 turn back into Washington, and started his descent. The aircraft did, and at 7,000 feet, he commenced. The plane commences 330 degree descending, accelerating corkscrew turn to arrive precisely at the surface without striking it at over 500 knots which is the amazing part of this, to strike the Office of Intellig Naval Intelligence on his first attempt. Now, as you mentioned, Michael, this maneuver was replicated in a simulator and flown by highly experienced pilots, and they couldn't perform the maneuver without crashing the airplane. So jump ahead. One, one month prior to 9-11, Hani Hanjur went to the freeway airport in Bowie, Maryland, and tried to rent a Cessna 172 aircraft. Now, when you go into an aircraft rental facility like this, they don't just throw you the keys and say, have fun. They've got to go up in an airplane with you and do an evaluation flight. So he went up with not one, but two different instructors on three flights. And both of them came back and told the chief pilot at the airport, don't rent him an airplane. Now, I talked to Marcel Bernard, who was the chief flight instructor at the airport, and he confirmed this to me in December 2021 on a 
brief phone conversation that he didn't want to talk about it. But anyhow, Hanger goes down the road to Congressional Air Charter, another fixed base operator, to rent an airplane. And he went flying with an instructor named Eddie Shalev, who came back and said that Hanger was a good pilot. Now, none of this testimony was taken under oath, but all the pilots were questioned. In the 9-11 Commission final report, it appeared as but an end note in the commission report, and Eddie Schlepp's name was only mentioned once, that Hani Hanger was a good pilot. So what's the problem with this story? They didn't interview, nor were they, the uh, two instructor pilots, Ben Connor and Sherry Baxter, were even uh, mentioned in the final report. As a matter of fact, Ben Connor said, I was expecting a call from the 9-11 Commission to testify, but the call never came. So uh, Eddie Shalev, it turns out, is an Israeli who flew in the who fought in the Israeli Defense Force, and he's nowhere to be seen now. He disappeared from the scene, and Congressional Air Charters has closed its doors since then. So draw your own conclusions with regard to my last remarks. Uh, anyhow, that's Dan. one. If, I yes, could, if you don't, ahead, if, you don't if you don't if you don't mind, um, also yeah. add um, of where the instructors are that train. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, go ahead and interject. Um, Marcel Bernard and Sherry Baxter, Marcel being the chief instructor, and Sherry Baxter are presently flight safety inspectors at the FAA in Washington D.C. So, with little to no experience outside of the. Uh, being a certified flight instructors. Right. So that's it in a nutshell. It makes the whole official story. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Insane. Now, regarding a missile striking the Pentagon, I've, I've heard all the arguments and so has Doug. Uh, unfortunately, we cannot prove it because we don't have the film footage of what hit the Pentagon. They confiscated 80 cameras around the Pentagon and went so far as to confiscate a video camera in a Virginia Highway Patrol car, one a security camera on top of Devil Trio Hotel, and another one on top of a Sitco gas station. That's the extreme measures that they took to prevent us from seeing what hit the Pentagon. And let's say, for example, this is with regard to any issue concerning 9-11. Suppose you're out there and you know everything about 9-11. Where are you going to take that information? You're going to go to the Director of National Intelligence, the CIA, FBI, DOJ, FAA. Where are you, are you going to file a report with any of them? Because I see people arguing all the time on Facebook and in the chat rooms how ludicrous different parts of the story are. And I ask them, what are you going to do with the information? Well, in a little while, if I, I can, I'm going to go into detail on what 9-11 pilot whistleblowers is doing with our information. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and Michael, just 
just something else to piggyback on what Dan said when he talked about the uh, pilots that, that trained in the United States. Right. Uh, they they make this sound like some nefarious scheme that these pilots came to the United States to get training. But the truth of the matter is, pilots from all over the world come to the United States to be trained and go back to their home countries and work for the commercial airlines uh, because flight training in the United States is much more cost effective for them. And because uh, commercial avi- civilian and commercial aviation, well, primarily civilian aviation, general aviation, uh, is so much more predominant in the United States than it is in other countries. And, I, and I've been exposed to other countries all over the world. I presently live in Germany, as I told you, an American refugee forced out of my own country because yeah. I was blackballed by United Parcel Service. But there's very few general aviation airports in Germany. There's very few general aviation, <laughs> I'd say little to none, in Korea. I lived in Korea when I was with Korean Airlines. Um, so it's not uncommon for pilots from all over the world to come to the United States to seek their primary flight training. And then they go back to their home countries and they throw them in the right seat of an Airbus, you know, like an A320 or something. And then they progress themselves uh, up to uh, a wide-body jet. This is not uncommon. And and, no secret, though, Doug and Michael, they did receive training in the United States. They have a well-defined audit trail that proves that, that whoever was behind this went out of the way to make sure it was documented that they had flown aircraft before. They went so far as to put uh, 767 training manuals in Arabic in, uh, not Hani Hanjar, but Muhammad Atta, the ringleader of the group, in his car in Boston, along with his Quran. To, uh, now, one thing, one thing I like to, one thing I'd like to piggyback on that. Um, you know, as, as Dan just said, they put supposedly manuals in the native tongue of the country they're from. But the reality is, uh, most pilots that train in the United States from other countries, first and foremost, they never leave, they never come to the United States without first uh, having come to the United States or another country to learn English because they have to be English, uh, ELP, English language proficient before they can even start training. So they speak perfect English. You know, most people from other countries and pilots that I fly with from different countries all over the world where I'm flying now, um, they speak perfect English. Their English is just a, a second language to them. Um, and their, their home language, obviously, is their native tongue. I fly with a lot of Malaysian pilots, actually. And uh, their English is equally as good as everyone talking here. So they have well, to speak perfect English. And and um, when, when they come to training, um, all the manuals are in English. Where I work now, when I worked at Korean Airlines, Everything's in English. It's not in uh, Korean. It's not in Arabic, as Dan just said. They put those manuals in there on purpose in Arabic. Uh-oh. I think uh, we got cut off there, boys and girls. I'm not sure what just happened here. We um, are experiencing more issues here tonight. Just when things were getting good here, folks. We got uh, cut off. Can you believe that? Isn't that outrageous? I don't know what's going on here tonight, boys and girls, but everything has gone wrong. I blame the CIA. Yeah, Keith, damn. Goddamn. 
Oh, yeah, they don't want this getting out. For some odd reason, Captain uh, Dan Handley and Doug Green, they are trouble. Not for me, but, you know, for the feds. The feds really don't like them. I Yeah, I know. The truth hurts, boys and girls. I really don't know what happened there. But we got booted off. We got kicked off here. I named the Arabic people. Is that, what you, is that uh, you, Dr. Strange? Love. In the chat room. And uh, don't worry, boys and girls. I am working on bringing the guest uh, back in here. It is quite ridiculous. All the hoops I have to jump just to bring uh, these two in here. It is terrible. But don't worry, boys and girls. I am trying. In real time. Yeah, I know. I know you guys can hear me fine. That's not the issue. Um, it's the software now that booted both uh, my guest off here. Yeah. I, um... <laughs> it's so annoying. But, hey. It happens. It happens. But bear with me. Yes. Hola, Mr. Deacon. Hola to you, too. Just like if you even mention something else, don't poke me. Um, I have no idea what Anthony is talking about there. Reboot. No, I'm not going to reboot. No. No, no, no. No rebooting. We are going to ride this one into uh, the ground for all I care. You have to. You have to stick with it no matter what, boys and girls. You really do. You really, really do. Uh, but don't worry. I'm working on it. Behind the scenes here. Sup, Michael? Oh, not much. Just trying to fix the show. Love you. I love you too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And now I'm trying to um, bring in the guest here. Um, my God. All kinds of things are going off here. Sorry about that, folks. I don't know why the Skype is going off. Um, everything's going off. Uh, Doug, can you hear me okay? I can hear you on my iPad now. Um, ah, can you yes. call me back so I can be on my computer? Try it one more time. I just sent you a photo. Sure. I, I, I was. Uh, no worries. I was. I was live with you there, and uh, <laughs> I know we got booted off. And I was knocked out, and I tried to rejoin the meeting, and it says, <laughs> yeah, join this meeting, invalid ID. I know we are having all kinds of issues here, but uh, Doug, I'll call you back. Okay. Uh, Dan, is that you calling me? Yeah, Zoom just dropped me all of a sudden, and when I tried to log back on with the link, <laughs> yeah. it said it needed a meeting ID, which I've never had to do. Before. I know. I, I don't know what the hell's going on, but um, I do have Doug here. He's on Skype, and uh, yeah. Okay. We've been having uh, issues up the you-know-what, but that's, yeah. uh, that's the game you play when you do a live show, I mean. Sometimes these things work right. and sometimes they don't, but either way, we power forward no matter what. Right. Are you going to go ahead and finish the program with Doug on Skype then? Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll still talk to you uh, as well. Uh, Dan, there's no escape. We, we got you here. You got to stay online. Okay. Am I live right now? You're live. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's all good. Okay. How are we, how are we going to do this with Doug on Skype and me on a phone? Well, we have, uh, you know, we have the capabilities to do that. We have uh, the, the technical knowledge to pull it off. And I believe 
We got Doug back here. Doug, uh, say say some words. Okay. Can you hear me okay, Michael? Loud and clear. I'm I actually with you on Skype. I was uh, I was ejected out of the uh, Zoom. Right. We um, all were. I got kicked off too. Yeah. It's quite interesting. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it's not surprising. Uh, Dan and I have had similar experiences when we've tried to share the truth. And, you know, the truth will set you free, but obviously some people don't want the truth to be heard. Right. And, but nonetheless, uh, where, where I left off yes, before continue. we were dropped off the call, um, Dan had highlighted the fact that these manuals were found allegedly in the vehicle of these uh, alleged hijackers. And he had said that they were in Arabic. And he, so they kind of give the appearance that, you know, these were people of, uh, of the Islam extremists that attacked the homeland. You know, they needed another Pearl Harbor to do this, some of the things they did. Like Interesting. The Patriot Act, create Islamophobia, divide and conquer different parts of the world to include the Middle East, have an excuse to go to an Iraq and I get Afghanistan. Uh, money laundered $10.5 million a day to Israel as they're doing right now, who are committing apartheid in Palestine and things like this. To further the uh, what I like to refer to the hidden ruling class's agenda, some people call them the deep state, but it's it's a hidden ruling class. And uh, nonetheless, what I was trying to share with the audience is that it's preposterous to suggest that any pilots that come to the United States uh, aren't perfect English-speaking pilots. Uh, they've been highly trained in English; it's their second tongue. They're completely fluent. And all manuals at airlines across the world are in English. They're not in Arabic. They're not in Korean. Uh, they, now, in China, they might be more than likely in Chinese. But in these other countries that I've um, had the opportunity and privilege to work in, it's always been in English for the people from the native uh, countries as well. Uh, let me add something to that. Uh, Hani Hanjur, when he was trying to go through school enrolled in an English class because his English was so poor and he knew that was a requirement to get a rating, a license. So uh, he did, but he flunked with a .25 grade point average. Now, the official records state that he had a commercial license. And uh, where, where did he get that? Who gave, gave it to him? When I spoke with Marcel Bernard, this uh, chief flight instructor, at the Bowie Airport in Freeway, Maryland. Uh, he didn't want to talk to me. I had left him voicemail twice, telling him who I was and gave him the 911pilots.org website so he could reference me. So then when I did finally, he did finally answer the phone. He said, who is this? I said, it's Dan Hanley. And he said, I have nothing to say to you. Hmm. And you listen to me. He says, you've got to drop what you're doing. Do you have any idea who's involved with this? He says, then don't. Don't go after who issued them the license because you'll not get anywhere with that. So I knew it was a hot item. But let me just point out what Doug was talking about, the training manuals, okay? Uh, imagine having the owner's manual to a semi-tractor trailer and uh, without ever having driven it and hopping into it because you read the owner's manual. It doesn't work like that with airplanes either. They're very complex systems and procedures for operating them, and you don't learn how to do it just from having a training manual. So I'm sorry, FBI, or whoever left the training manuals in there. It didn't work. I agree.
And Hello. Yeah, oh. yeah. Yeah, we we caught you. Sound great. Everyone yeah. sounds great. And by the way, the attacks of 9-11 have obviously been compared with the attacks on Pearl Harbor. I believe uh, even right. the, I believe the investigative reporter James Bamford has written about President Bush's behavior in the middle of a modern day Pearl Harbor. Everyone is saying right. the new Pearl Harbor. And of course, we have we have a. Uh, We've always heard of a "quote unquote" new Pearl Harbor. This is something right. that's uh, well, been talked Michael, about for a while. Yes, go ahead. The the neocon Zionist think tank Project for a New American Century in Washington D.C. Right. issued a paper one year, exactly one year prior to 9/11, called "Rebuilding American Defenses," and there's a subtitle I don't remember. But in this article, they did that just that calling for a need for a new Pearl Harbor, and one year later they got it. The same think tank in uh, 1996 wrote an a letter, a joint letter to President Clinton asking for him to illegally invade Iraq and overthrow uh, Saddam Hussein. Five years later, they got their way. So you've got to look into this think tank, who was in it, and what they said, and what actually came to pass. I agree. I agree. And it is a significant challenge to entertain the idea that our own U.S. government officials were responsible for the destruction of the World Trade Center and engaged in a cover-up. You know, embracing such a belief necessitates the acceptance of uh, an extensive uh, conspiracy theory, one that implicates not only the 9-11 Commission, but also congressional leaders, the FBI, the media. Does uh, that sound familiar to any of you out there? Did we not already experience this time and time again? The majority of uh, people will dismiss all things heard this evening, and that's fine with me. But the choice is yours. And you've... This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news... Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Made it. I they shut up because they're afraid they'll get whacked or not run for office again. Not be reluctant. I mean, so well, you know, it's just it's you just gotta, like the pilots. It's just like the pilots, you know, uh, after nine eleven, because they tried to, you know, label people as conspiracy theorists. You know, they used these terms to basically question people's fitness for duty if they actually uh, have clear thinking. They use these buzz phrases. And so pilots across the industry, as Dan has highlighted, uh, the Airline Pilots Association, basically, you know, they're afraid to give their opinion. But when you talk to pilots, you know, off the record, most pilots in the airline industry don't buy into the false narrative because they know just as we do. But they're just afraid to come forward to share their expert opinions because they don't want the airlines who, who obviously had a hand in I mean, there was insider trading that went on days before 9-11 where short sellers sold the United and American Airlines stock uh, while it was still 
uh, at a at a pretty good stock price. They sold it, and then after 9/11, when the stocks plummeted, they came the short. They came back in and they bought the stock for pennies on the dollar. And Dan is a, is an expert on the uh, victimization of the United Airlines employees through the scam through the United Airlines. ESOP plan, employee stock ownership plan. Dan is more apprised in talking about that. But the, what I wanted to highlight is that this chilling effect that was put on pilots to be afraid to come forward and, and for Dan to interview, like he's interviewed me and several others. Some of the pilots, Michael, have come forward with interviews. Um, pilots that uh, are retired, where they feel there's no threat to their employment, should they dare talk about 9/11, or should they dare talk about safety and security? This, the collateral damage of 9/11, has caused an enormous chilling effect. Oh yeah, compromising pilots to come forward and talk about safety and security for fear of being targeted, and the weaponization that they've used as a result of 9/11 through multiple programs to make the perfect compliant pilot has put the flying public in harm's way. Uh, to the point for me personally, I would rather never fly on a U.S. carrier because the FAA is not a regulatory agency. It's an agency that's regulated by the dark money airlines. This is the problem that we're faced with, and this is just scratching the surface. We could talk for hours about the targeting of pilots that goes on daily. Uh, Dan and I both can elaborate on uh, Carlene Pettit, P-E-T-I-T-T, a highly experienced Delta Airlines captain that recently retired that was targeted by Steve Dixon, who was the chief pilot at Delta Airlines, who was actually nominated as the FA and confirmed as the FA administrator. And uh, this is just a small example. And there's an amazing YouTube video about Carlene Pettit's case. Um, but there's much to talk about related to this. And Steve Dixon himself was involved in the uh, MCAS scandal with uh, the 737 MAX. Uh, that's this is something we should probably talk about as well, uh, because Boeing. Yeah, I would like to address that, Doug. I couldn't hear you. Say it again, Dan. I said I'd like to address that when you're done. I got the figures yes, in front of me. Please, please. This this chilling effect that's been created is not just against pilots; it's against employees at Boeing. Uh, it's against employees that try to speak up about, about the 737 Max aircraft engineers. You know, um, the, the FAA, uh, and Boeing were guilty of no oversight and breaking the rules, even in recertification of the 737 MAX. But this is all a part of the collateral damage of 9-11. They're, they're getting a get out of jail free card with impunity. Go ahead and elaborate more, Dan. Yeah. Uh, on March 13, 2019, Lion Air Flight 610 with 189 people on board took a nosedive and killed everybody on board. Uh, four months and 10 days later, they had put this aircraft back into service. Uh, Ethiopian Flight 302 did the same thing with 157 people on board. So all total, there's 346 deaths. And they finally revoked the air airworthiness certificate after this recurring flight failure. That the direct costs were twenty billion and indirect costs were sixty billion. Not that you can place a price tag on the loss of lives in these two accidents, but Doug will reiterate will iterate on that here in a few minutes on 
what the FAA and the airline managers have done. But if the problem with this, they never trained the pilots on this system, and they put it in an airplane. Now, had someone, whether it be a mechanic or an engineer at Boeing, or even a pilot who had the insight or hindsight on the first incident, recognize the inherent design flaw in the system that Doug can explain in detail, uh, they would be too afraid to report it. When you're talking about something this big, the grounds, airplanes, uh, too many people are afraid. They've been in the industry long enough, and they see what happened to other people. So I attribute it in part to that chilling effect that it's had on the industry, not just the last couple of years. This has been going on for decades. It happened to me 20 years ago. I was grounded for life as a pilot because I was reporting safety and security issues in the post-9-11 era at United Airlines. They pulled me off the line, made me go see a shrink, said I was bipolar and grounded me. Well, that's the identical thing that happened to Carlene Pettit that Doug just mentioned. She was grounded, put into, forced to see a shrink. They said she was bipolar. And the reason I come up with that diagnosis is once a mental health professional uh, diagnoses you as such, it's extremely difficult to go into a court of law and disprove the diagnosis. So, Doug, why don't you tell them about what the airline did after this accident? Sure. Well, first of all, um, when you, you we're talking about the MAX, correct? Right. Correct, Dan? Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that's correct. All, yeah. Just how the whole evolution of this went, um, Michael, this is all about shareholder profits. It's all about dark money. And uh, when Airbus came out with the latest and greatest um, next generation Airbus, um, you know, carbon fiber fuselage, bigger engines, uh, more fuel capacity, longer range. Um, most of the European airlines specifically, um, they love this airplane. It was, it, its price point was much better than anything Boeing could offer. And so Boeing basically had to go to back to the drawing board and they had to try to come up with, uh, an alternative to compete with Airbus's latest and greatest. And as a result, what they ended up doing is they took the old 737 and they tried to modify it. And they says because they didn't want to go back to the drawing board. They were behind. They're behind the power curve because they waited too long, and they didn't forecast this competition. So they took the old 737. They says, well, we'll just take the 737 and we'll make it better so it could compete. And so they basically redesigned the aircraft. They wanted to put a bigger engine on it, but the problem was is the 737 engine already sits too low to the ground. And if you ever see a 737 at the airport, have a closer look, and you'll see that for yourself. There's very little ground clearance between the bottom of the engine and and the asphalt. And so subsequently, they decided to raise, to make a bigger engine, but they had to raise it above the leading edge of the wing, which causes induced drag. And so they says, well, we can overcome that. We'll just make the engine more powerful. And so then they did. So, but then they says, well, if we make the engine more powerful, we have to think about what the weakest link in the chain is. And that's, of course, the pilot. It's always the pilot. And so they says, well, we'll just make this system that if the aircraft has a high nose up pitch attitude, we'll cause, we'll create a system that uses some of the inputs from the aircraft to automatically lower the nose. 
Okay. And so they called it MCAS, Maneuvering Characteristics Augmentation System. Now, there's nothing in the flight manuals, the systems manuals, about this system. The only thing you'll find in the flight manuals in the glossary of terms where it shows the acronym MCAS, and it says Maneuvering Characteristics Augmentation System. But in most aircraft flight manuals, all systems have a description of how the system works, how it ties into the different features of the airplane, the inputs, and if there's an emergency situation or a system failure, how you can overcome the failure and deal with the emergency. This is not in the aircraft flight manual. Reason being is Boeing wanted to sell this airplane to their customers as to suggest, hey, this is the latest and greatest. It's equally as good as the Airbus, and it doesn't require training. No training. No simulator training. And so, should I? And no training. So subsequently, they. Um, I'm going to step outside, guys. It's real early in the morning here, and I think I'm being a little bit too loud because people are waking up. Um. So, yeah. anyways, can you still hear me? Okay. I can hear you. Great. Oh, yeah. So yeah. they sold it. They they sold it as an airplane that requires no training. And and this this was the big thing. Now, what the problem with this was is um, Boeing changed their philosophy, and 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 as a result of changing their philosophy, it was quite dangerous because Boeing used to design airplanes with the redundancy systems, like our hydraulic system in the Boeing Triple Seven has several redundancies. You know, we have engine-driven pumps, we have pneumatic pumps, we have electric pumps, we have, you know, uh, we also have what we call a rat, and it's a little turbine that drops down, and it uses the air, and it it windmills, and it creates electricity and backup hydraulics. So this is how they used to design the airplanes. But now, because of the evolution of 9-11 and putting safety aside, um, they basically came up with what they call now um, a TRAM methodology. And TRAM stands for Transport Airline Risk Assessment Methodology. And basically, Boeing said, as long as we only have one probable aircraft loss every two years, this is an acceptable risk assessment for Boeing. Well, see, well, look what happened. They designed this airplane um, that couldn't really compete the Airbus Next Generation aircraft. And they first lost liner, and then six months later, they lost Ethiopian. So this, but they were willing to accept this risk. Hey, they're just people. Who cares? You know, they don't put a price on people. They could care less about people. And you know, United Parcel Service is the same way. We had the crash of EPS thirteen fifty four in Birmingham, Alabama. The pilots had reported fatigue, despite an NTSB survey that said that ninety. Almost 97% of the pilots were terrified to call in fatigued or sick because they would be subject to discipline up to and including termination. And sure enough, the cockpit voice recorder revealed that both pilots were fatigued, and it was in the NTSB report. Well, United Parcel Service, they bought themselves what we call a car. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and... What do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now.
cargo cutout of the new Part 117 rules that went into effect. And Dan knows about this because he was involved in some of the testimony during the Colgan Air crash in Buffalo, New York, uh, that precipitated the FA Federal Air Regulation Rules Part 117. But the cargo companies paid, you know, they basically, you know, went to D.C., and we know this for a fact, and they wrote their checks and they did their finagling and their wheeling and dealing, and they got a cargo cutout. So one level of safety doesn't apply. They don't care about safety. And so UPS lost this airplane. And just recently, a captain at United Partial Service named Mark Noah had made a post on a, on a union chat forum, and he had talked about the crash of 1354 and how obviously the company didn't realize uh, the concerns over fatigue and that they were willing to accept a hull loss every 10 years rather than you know ante up the money and participate in the 117 rules. And the FAA didn't mandate it. Because the FAA is no longer a regulatory agency. It's an agency that's actually regulated by the airlines and the aircraft manufacturers. So this, to your viewers, or I'm sorry, your audience, should be quite concerning because they are the flying public. But people get on these airplanes and they think, hey, no worries. They walk through that airplane, looks nice, everybody's dressed good. But they have no idea what's going on if they look to the left inside the, inside the cockpit and what these pilots are faced with. Yeah, that's not very good. Uh, let me just say, I was talking about my medical grounding. It's been a chilling effect throughout United Airlines and beyond. Just recently, I was Doug and I were talking to a Chicago former United captain, a woman uh, who was fired by United, uh, and I would—I hadn't even mentioned my case to her, and she said to me, Dan. Uh, did you, you're the one that reported the uninterrupted autopilot, and I, I was really taken back. I said, "Well, not initially. It was a captain named Phil McConnell, but I have pushed the issue." I said, "I'm surprised you know about it." And she goes, "Everybody knows about Dan Hanley." I said, "Oh, really?" So if that's the truth, if my story is out there, Dan Hanley was fired 20 years ago for talking out about 9/11. Uh, it's an example of uh, what happens in the industry. The word spreads fast and people shut up. That's really unfortunate what happened to you, uh, Dan. Uh, you know, it, it's one it's one thing to, you know, talk about it and go about your business like so many other people do when they talk about 9-11. But yourself and, and uh, Doug here, really faced a um, horrendous backlash for your beliefs. Right. Well said. And, you know, and just to piggyback on what Dan just said, uh, sorry, guys, I had to put a coat on. I have to step outside because it's early in the morning. You got it. People are waking up in the house. Yeah. Um, so in any case, I, I just mentioned to you Captain Mark Noah, and he had, uh, he had wrote his concerns in his chat forum about fatigue. And soon as he wrote it, because the unions are company controlled and they don't really enforce the contract or protect the membership, unbeknownst to him, two weeks later, he was in front of a disciplinary hearing at United Parcel Service. And they basically were targeting him because they didn't want the other pilots to be concerned about fatigue. And the union had actually shared this post with the company. So he ends up in front of a disciplinary hearing. And as a result... They come up with some cockamamie story about something that happened almost a year earlier, and they use it as an excuse to threaten to terminate him. 
But then they says, well, we don't want to terminate you because we know it's the kiss of death. So we'll let you uh, either resign or you can take an early retirement. But you have to sign a non-disclosure agreement. And it says that if you find out that this was lawful at any point in time, that you won't sue the company. Now, Mark, he's a senior captain, and he also runs a nonprofit organization to recover World War II victims. I just met him in Bonn, Germany about three weeks ago when he was on an MPO mission for the World War II recovery effort. He um, he basically told him, he says, this isn't a mission of guilt. I'm not signing this. And his case right now, so they terminated him for nothing, really. Wow. Be- just because he, he voices concerns over fatigue. This is the chilling effect that 9-11 is still having on pilots today. And this is one very small example. Dan, I can tell you countless examples, just like I mentioned Carlene Pettit, right. just like Dan mentioned Soma Prittle. We got Mike Protek, Carl Suring, M- Mark Esterbrook from FedEx. This is happening all over the industry, Michael, as a result of 9-11. And this is just one small example of the weaponization. You know, they're also, they, they created a program called HIMSS, it's a fancy acronym for substance abuse. It stands for Human Intervention Motivation Study. And the airlines petitioned the FAA, and they worked together to create this program as a weapon to basically put anybody and everybody in this substance abuse program simply based on hearsay so they can make the perfect compliant pilot that's only one piss test away from losing his job. Outrageous. And so they push these. It's absolutely outrageous. It's insane. And they know that we've discovered this. They've tried to cover it up. United Parcel Services tried to cover it up. We know some of the other airlines have covered it up. We're working together with another uh, podcast um, host, Monica Richardson, and Mike Danford, and several others to expose this heinous fraud and how they're abusing this crazy program to make the perfect compliant pilot. And, you know, when, when I tell this story to guys I fly with, overseas, you know, they're they're like, they can't believe it. They're like, are you kidding me? I mean, this would never happen in our country. I says, well, of course it wouldn't happen in your country because your country is grounded with a good moral compass on traditional values and ethics. And this would never happen. And they weren't complicit. Yeah, it's, it's just outrageous. The regulatory agencies have been conquered in the United States. The courts, courts have been conquered with corrupt judges, and when pilots try to defend themselves, like my myself, Dan, um, Soma Prittle, Carleen Pettit, Mark Noah, you know, it's we're, it's almost indefendable because the system's rigged from start to finish, from the Department of Labor with the Air 21 whistleblower program to the courts, um, you know, these judges and these crony law clerks. Uh, in my case, you know, we had a couple law clerks, and I'm going to say their name because I want the whole world to hear, oh, Colton Givens. Andrew Hagerman, these these young kids that are in law school, you know, they're basically approached and entertained and they're bribed to work as law clerks for these judges and to make up false facts and to ignore evidence and to su- suggest that there's no material facts in dispute. And they whimsically dismiss cases unilaterally and, and pilots never get a chance to even enter a court of law in front of a jury. We don't have any jury trial rights. I filed a jury trial demand. I filed motions to the court. I had to go from one level of adjudication at the district court to the circuit court, all the way to the Supreme Court. And, you know, you can't hire them. Why don't you tell them how much money you spent to do that? I spent over a half a million dollars. I lost everything I had. Wow. Everything. I completely started over. 
living in Germany. And it's just unbelievable. And the whole system's rigged. I mean, they say everybody deserves their day in court. Well, this is complete nonsense because nobody gets their day in court. The only court cases you ever see in TV are celebrity cases. The only time you're ever going to be in front of a jury trial is if you commit a crime. You're either killed or you murder somebody. This is the only time an American ever gets their day in court. The system is on lockdown against the people. And this is all by design. My God. This, this, you oh. know, what we're talking about here is just another show about how rigged the system is against the American people. But we wanted to interject some small details so you can understand that this is collateral damage in 9-11. Go ahead, Dan. Yeah, I was just going to say, I worked for a couple of years with the National Whistleblower Center and the Government Accountability Project in Washington, D.C., and they're the two largest whistleblower advocacy groups in the world, actually. And they told me late in the ballgame with my case that if you're a federal whistleblower in the United States, you stand less than a 2% chance of winning your case in in court. And someone remarked to me one time, you'd stand better odds playing the tables in Las Vegas than going into the <laughs> court system to win. Wow. Uh, another another thing I wanted to mention, uh, most people, I didn't go into my case saying, I'm a whistleblower, I'm going to blow the whistle sure, on sure. safety and security at United. And most people enter into these things innocently thinking they have rules and regulations to protect you, but more important institutions of government that will hear your case. And when you step in and it's too late, uh, it is too late. It's like Wiley Coyote when he steps off a cliff and realizes it's too late that he's going to plummet down into the canyon. Uh, that's the feeling you get because I thought I had myself protected with, uh, witnesses with a correspondence trail a mile long, with a recorded phone conversation. I even went to see shrinks in advance because I knew they were going to do that to me. And none none of it made any difference. The system is so corrupt. That's, that's, why they, that's how these mobsters get away with it. They know they can with impunity in the current system of government. And Doug Green and I hope, along with other pilots, to change that. And that tell is them, crazy. Dan, tell, them, tell, them, tell them how you knew up in front that they were going to target you, oh, um, oh. questioning your fitness for duty. The, the union even told you that they were going to take you out. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty dirty what One they did. The union, I was going to send a letter to the CEO of United, and I called my union boss in New York where I was flying out of at the time and told him what I was going to do and what I was going to say, and he goes, Please send me the letter first. Let me forward it to the Chicago lawyers to review, okay? So I waited about a week, and they finally called me back, and I was on speakerphone with the grievance committee chairman from the union and the chief lawyer in Chicago. And I said, Bob, did you read my letter? And he goes, yes. I said, do you agree with the contents? He goes, yes. And I said, well, you're my union legal representative. I said, what do you suggest I do? And he said, don't send the letter in. I go in and I thought you said you agree with me. And Chuck Pierce, the grievance committee chairman, said, go ahead and send that letter in if you never want to fly another United airplane again in your life. And I said, why? What are they going to do to me? I said, I haven't done anything wrong. And he said, they'll find a way to professionally, medically, psychologically, or otherwise ground you for life as a pilot. We've seen it before. You're not going to get away with this. Well, 
in retrospect, at that point in time, I should have, I tried to get an attorney. No one would represent me because it was the largest airline in the world in bankruptcy, post 9-11 bankruptcy in Chicago with a corrupt court system, and no one would come near my case. But right. my recommendation to anyone going through this process, before you submit, and this is based on the recommendation of an attorney, Doug, and I talked to, never submit to that psychological screening without walking in there without an aviation attorney because it's a setup. Oh, yes. It is. It was a trap. As a matter of Exactly. As a matter of fact, in 2006, I had a big email network, and someone emailed me and said, hey, there's a Northwest captain named Phil McConnell who uh, is grounded. Uh, they want, want to ground him. They want to send him to a shrink in L.A. Well, I called. I got his phone number through the grapevine and called him, and I said, Phil, tell me where you're at. And he told me, well, they want me to go see this Dr. Elliott in Los Angeles. He's a psychiatrist. I go, don't go. It's a setup deal. Well, he resigned rather than go to, and it was nine years early, so he lost millions of dollars in pay, but he, he resigned just to prevent them from uh, declaring him uh, mentally un unstable because he wants to serve as an expert witness in future litigation. So where are Doug Green and I and other pilots taking this? And I don't want you to confuse 9-11 pilot whistleblowers with what I'm about to describe because they're completely disjoint in their purpose and goals. And it's called the Whistleblowing Airline Pilots Association. And what we've done is got together with all these whistleblowers that we've rounded up and we're going to interview them. Doug and I together are going to interview them on Zoom and we're creating a website. Hopefully it'll be WAPA.org. But it isn't up yet. It's still under construction. Um, and what we're going to do is interview these pilots, let them tell their stories, create a page on the website with uh, their photo name and a brief description of what happened to them. But then go into however long an interview they want to give us. And we're going to publish it on every video platform and social media platform we can, as well as put it out on an email system trying to get the word out because we know we're not in the mainstream media will never cover what we're doing. Oh, not it's at too all. too controversial. Yeah, they won't touch uh, that. We're taking yeah. it to the court. And, yeah, go ahead, Doug. Um, while we're talking Are you about this, I just want to highlight the fact that um, we've been working on the website, Michael, but in the interim, we had created a blog, uh, a Whistle Airline Pilots Association blog, and the uh, the entities involved went to great lengths to have our blog removed three times. Three times. Dan recreated this blog two times after his the initial blog, and they removed it. I remember. And yeah, I'm not even surprised. It just happened, Michael. Yeah, yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah. I, I recall. Mm -hmm. And I, on this blog, so anyhow, outstanding blog. It, it had all sorts of information that we're sharing with you here. It highlighted uh, Dan's experience at United. It highlighted my experience at United Parcel Service, where I had listed over 155 pilots that had been targeted by United Parcel Service with similar cases of fraud that we're sharing with you now. And this was out there. People, we, we could post it on X, formerly uh, Twitter, 
Right. And the blog was there and people could look at it and it was a venue where they could reach out to us. And we had a pretty big following. And then when the powers to be became aware of this blog, they went to great lengths to use their undue influence to have it removed three times. Yeah, and it happened here tonight. So the system's caught, Michael. Yes, so We know we're going up against the biggest powers on Earth. Oh, I mean, yes. these airlines are wealthy. And uh, in case people don't realize it, if your disclosure is serious enough, they'll kill you. And Doug and I and others realize that uh, we're treading on dangerous ground. That you but are. we believe if we go visible enough with the enough evidence and information uh, will be successful. Yeah, they might uh, make you two disappear. And uh, yeah. that interview you did with um, Mr. Ike does not help you, by the way. Yeah, David Ike? Yeah, I, I know that. Uh, he knows it, too. He's more controversial and visible than I, I, was, I am, and he's more, much more knowledgeable about uh, 9-11 issues than I am. But, uh, yeah, that went out to everybody. I, I'm surprised we didn't get more viewership on it. I'm, I've got uh, like 38,000 Twitter followers. That isn't a big number. Uh, incidentally, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm Dan Hanley 4, but uh, I've been shadow banned so so severely with that many uh, Twitter followers that I'm surprised at how few likes I get on my, my tweets. So uh, I've got 5,000 Facebook friends. I'm on that at Dan Hanley. Uh, and it's the same thing over there. They got algorithms that oh, yes. track this stuff and uh, limit viewership on it. So, oh, yes. the... and just and just to, and just to chime in, jump um, in there. Uh, I, you can follow your your audience can follow me on uh, Twitter now X at uh, the call sign. Uh, it's it's kind of like a name. Truth, the word truth, middle initial B, last name told. Truth be told, the number four, and the word all. Truth be told for all. And uh, that that's a way where you can follow what we're doing and, um, and some of the posts that we're making. Um, I've been very active recently um, in the election in Kentucky because this is this is where the air group for UPS is headquartered. At the and, Kentucky. Uh, Mitch, okay. Yeah. And Mitch, now UPS is actually headquartered. The company is headquartered in Atlanta, but the air group is headquartered in Louisville, Kentucky. Ah. And right. And right now, this whole election in Kentucky for the governor and the subsequent AG, the attorney general for the state of Kentucky, is a completely rigged fight. And UPS has been very active in this. And OpenSecrets.org, which is a, a paper trail to follow the money, shows that they've been pumping a lot of money into these elections to influence the outcome. And the current attorney general in the state of Kentucky, his name's Daniel Cameron. He's a former McConnell staffer. Uh, he received a McConnell scholarship to go to college, and then he worked for the law firm Frost, Brown & Todd, which is the primary law firm that UPS uses to target their, their employees, not just pilots, but mechanics, drivers, and their ringleader is a guy by the name of Tony Coleman, and he's been targeting uh, UPS employees for decades. Anybody that's vocal Anybody that files grievances, safety or security concerns, this guy's been targeting employees with impunity because he's connected to the courts. Well, this Daniel Cameron, he did a stint at Frost, Brown and Todd as well. And the, and he's currently the AG 
for the state of Kentucky attorney general. He was involved in the Breonna Taylor case where he based misappropriately handled that case. He tried to cover it up. And another crony that's not, that was formerly uh, the, the law man, if you will, for the Department of Justice, Russell Coleman, not to be confused with Tony. We do believe that they're related. We're trying to make that connection. He also was a McConnell staffer at the same time as Cameron. And then he also went to uh, Frost, Brown and Todd, and he's currently an attorney there. But it, he had a break in service when he was appointed the U.S. attorney for the Western District of Kentucky under the Trump administration. But he was not nominated by Trump. Trust me, this was McConnell's doing. And so he was in that position. And then when we had regime change in the, in the U.S. government, he then went back to Frost, Brown and Todd. Well, isn't it a coincidence that Russell Coleman is running for Daniel Cameron's position as the attorney general and Cameron's running for governor? Now, if this happens, these two cronies, these white collar criminals that even admit they protect white collar crime, you know, um, they protect the actual offenders of white collar crime at Frost, Brown and Todd. They're going to be running the state of Kentucky. And this is what UPS wants, because then the whole system will be a complete lockdown. UPS employees, pilots, drivers, mechanics, they will have nowhere to go, no venue, no recourse, and the whole system will be on lockdown. And this is by design. And by the way, we are taking We're hanging phone calls. our hat on aviation safety, Michael. Yes, and by the way, we are taking phone calls uh, from all of you out there. If anybody wants to call in, that number is 424-666-2425. And I am with Captain Dan Hanley and Captain Doug Green here, live and direct in real time. If you have any questions, it's that time to get them in before... We wrap it up here, uh, ladies and gentlemen. If you have any questions, please let your voice be heard, and we would love to hear from you. Don't be afraid. And uh, both of you gentlemen are not afraid to uh, take phone calls, of course, right? Oh, no. <clears throat> I enjoy them. To take phone calls. Excuse me. Could you say that number again, Michael? Oh, we got that number right here, 424-666-2425. And uh, my gut. Oh. What's going on here? Caller, you are live. Hi. Hello there, Mr. Deacon. What's up? Uh Oh, did we uh, lose you? Caller? Caller? Oh, boy. We lost the caller. That was uh, odd. Doug? Yeah. What happened there? Caller? I guess he's gone. Well, well, maybe he'll call back or we'll get somebody else to call and in. And what was that all about? That was uh, rather odd. Rather odd. I, I don't know what happened. I thought we had the call and then uh, they disappeared. It looks like silencing the voice of the people, Mike. <laughs> I know, right? Michael? Michael? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I um, I really don't know what happened there. But we had the call, and then uh, they left. And I think we might have lost. uh, Yeah, we're going to move on. That's what we're doing here. We are moving on. Um, Did we lose you, Dan? We might have lost Dan. Uh Uh-oh. Dan, are you out there? We might have lost Dan, Doug. Lots of technical difficulties this evening. I know. Michael. 
Too many. Things that make you, things that make you say, hmm. <laughs> I know there's been so many weird technical difficulties. Um, Dan, are you still with us? Let me see if I can reach him on WhatsApp and send him a message. Hold, stand by. Yeah, we, we lost Dan, I guess. Not sure how the hell we did that. It's been one of those weird nights, boys and girls. Uh, Jay is asking, he says, ask the captain his thoughts on Pearl Harbor. And uh, I'm sure we could do that in a second here. Gremlins, who knows what it is, but for some strange reason, boys and girls, everything has sort of stopped working here. It's one of those nights. It happens. It happens. But that's the, you know, that's the the fun part of about doing a live show. Everything falls apart and then you have to try to figure it out. Personally, I like that. <laughs> Makes the show more fun and uh, interesting. Well, as we say, Dan, uh, Michael, in aviation, flexibility is the key to air power, right? I agree. And wow, the aviation industry really took a hit after 9-11. Everyone took a hit, but especially those pilots, too. It's just amazing, Michael. You know, the chilling effect of 9-11 is, is by design. And pilots are flying under duress. You know, it, it used to be a job that uh, as, as kids, we'd look up in the skies and we see these airplanes and we just dreamed of, of being in a, in a cockpit. One day. Flying a, a big a big airplane one day. Yeah. But I will be honest with you. If I had a crystal ball and I could have looked into it and, and, and could have realized what mm -hmm. aviation was going to evolve into, I would recommend all future aviators consider medical school instead. <laughs> <laughs> So, so in other words, you, you have regrets now because of this. Well, you know, it, you know, the whole industry has just been bastardized and right, it's right. just because of the dark money influence, dark money, of, of these, these airlines, um, you know, like Dan said earlier, you, you know, I mentioned myself when, when, when you try to, you know, submit safety or security concerns, you get a target on your back. And typically you can't find an attorney out there that'll take on a dark money corporation to defend the employee um, because one, they're afraid the, the the airline will destroy the law firm because normally it would probably be a smaller law firm because you can't, you know, afford the heavy hitter law firms that these dark money corporations, you know, recruit. And so, or they, they'll pay the law firm off and, and then your case will be undermined. And I experienced that personally. Uh, and, uh, but now Carly and Pettit on the other hand, you know, she basically had to put a second mortgage on in her house. She Damn. had to sell some of her stocks. She yeah. had to liquidate just about everything she had. And it what was a, a two-year battle to take on Delta Airlines. And the Steve Dixon, who became the FAA administrator, had a hand in it. And yeah, that's, that's the problem. That's she, the problem. Nobody wants, to, nobody wants to go to court against these people because they will drain you. Well, yeah, they'll drain you and they'll run you out of money. And they'll punish you. Right. Like, for instance, even in my case, you know, I, I told you some of the pilots that Dan has interviewed, uh, some of them are retired. Um, there's there's a gentleman by the name of Ray Malowicz. He used to work at UPS just like me. And he retired. And so he felt like he had no fear in giving an interview to give his opinion about what he thought of 9-11. And so he did. Now, in my case, um, UPS has actually 
denied giving me my defined benefit pension retirement plan. Oh my God. I've been fighting them now. I've been fighting now uh, for over two years since I turned 60. I'm trying to collect on my defined benefit pension plan. And it's just another way of punishing me. For yeah, they've, been, they've been screwing you around. Well, you know, and the, and the problem with the plan is, is that it says if you have any issues over this, you can file a motion with the um, district court in Atlanta where they're headquartered and they own that court. And, and this is and this is all by design. They want me to file a motion in the district court um, in Atlanta because they know that they're just going to use it as a venue to run me out of money and punish me. And there's no attorney that I could hire that would step up to the plate. Um, and that they wouldn't pay off and just literally run me out of money. And over the last eight years, you know, when I've had to basically restart my entire life, now living overseas and working for a couple different airlines since UPS targeted me, um, all the wealth that I've accumulated would be completely liquidated if I attempted to try to take this to court. And, and by the I way, was it, was it hard for you to get another gig, by the way? Well, you know, that's a great question. I, we knew they were targeting me. I already had another UPS manager who told me they were targeting me. He showed me evidence they were targeting me. Yeah. And so before they unlawfully terminated me, I started looking for other jobs. And I was actually hired at Korean Airlines before UPS had a chance to terminate me. Because once you're faced with the termination, it's the kiss of death. Because then you have to defend the lie. And so I was fortunate enough to get hired before that happened. Now, they tried to first target me for harassment with false statements by pilots that were in trouble with the company statements by some pilots that that, that were so foolish in their in their lies that mm. they alleged that I had hostile employee all the way back to 1990 but guess what I didn't even work at UPS in 1990 but even though I submitted all the evidence to the court they suppressed it the law clerks dismissed it they said there were no material facts in dispute so lucky for me um you know, I was hired at Korean Airlines before they could actually terminate me. Uh, oh, now we lost uh, Doug all of a sudden. I swear. We are losing people left and right here tonight. It's the craziest thing. What's going on, Dan? Is that you? Well, I just I just took the, the uh, <laughs> call in. Neither one of us knew whether it was being recorded, but uh. he said we were very informative, and he asked me some questions. I was able to answer for him, so all was not lost, Michael. At least one person got on the call. Perfect. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Well, I apologize for all the audio inconvenience uh, we've been experiencing. No need to apologize. Uh, well, I I'm just apologizing for everyone out there, uh, for myself, for the listeners, for uh, the universe, anyone listening to this right now. I don't know what's going on, but it seems like we are dropping like flies, but... Regardless, this has been a rather interesting night, and uh, Doug was here. Now he has sort of disappeared. Oh, I thought he'd call back in. No, he, I guess he assumed the program was over. No, no, he's on uh, he's on Skype, but I think he's like walking around his house. So um, I think we, we <laughs> might have, yeah. I think the Wi-Fi must have uh, screwed up for him or something. It's pretty funny, though. Yeah. I love that. Well, Michael, you, you want to take more calls or you want to wrap it up now? Well, I'm willing to take a call, but I mean, uh, we had someone try to call in and uh, I don't know exactly what happened to them. So we probably shouldn't take any phone calls here tonight. And oh, Doug is gone. Doug, okay. Yeah, Doug just disconnected. I, I think I think something's going on over there in his house out there in Germany. 
Yeah, well, he woke his wife up. Maybe she made him hang up. That's probably what it was. Uh, guten Morgen to all of our yeah. German listeners out there. I know it is the morning time. And Dan, you know, I do want to thank you for, you know, spending some time with us here tonight. It's been amazing. Well, thank you. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate the opportunity to be on. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just. Uh oh. It happened again, folks. We were cut off. Oops. Oh, there he is. Dan, is that you? Huh. Yeah. Dan, you love Hollywood. Oh, my God. Doug? Oh, um, I believe. Oh, Dan, I believe we also have a caller here on the line. It seems like we. Oh, okay. Yeah, it seems like we sort of uh, crossed uh, lines here, but it doesn't matter. Uh, caller, go ahead and uh, give a question here for uh, Dan. Yeah. Hi, guys. I've been really enjoying the show, man, and uh, thanks a lot for this. You've been doing the what? Oh, thank you for calling in. Oh, that's our uh, Canadian friend, No Wonder. I'm like, why is he so loud? And then I remembered, oh, yeah, that's our friend from uh, Canada. He's rather loud. Sorry. Yeah, you might want to back away from the phone. You, you, uh, you're right up in that speaker there, scaring us. <laughs> scaring me. <laughs> Come on, you don't get scared, Michael Deacon. That's true. Go ahead, ask away. Um, I was just—I seen a lot of video of all the firemen just kept repeating themselves about hearing bombs going off every floor, bombs and bombs. What what happened with all that firemen's when the others just stopped? Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Just thinking about the bombs. Yes. You... Well, mm-hmm. there's a group out there called... Uh, Lawyers for 9-11 Inquiry. Have you heard of that before? No, sir. Okay, a group of uh, about seven U.S. attorneys got together, and they gathered information from the biggest whistleblower organizations and individuals in the world, including firemen, and they created 57 evidence packages that they submitted to the U.S. attorney in New York, compelling him to announce a truth creation of a grand jury investigation into their allegations that World Trade Center buildings 1, 2, and 7 were brought down by controlled demolition and not by jet aircraft impact damages or the fuel fires that ensued. And part of their evidence package was the firemen all saying what they heard, plus other witnesses saying the same thing. And where is it? They took it to this U.S. attorney and they didn't see any movement on the grand jury investigation, so they took it to court, all the way up to the Supreme Court, who refused to hear their case. But there's another gentleman named Richard Gage who founded Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth. He's spearheading an effort. They're going to release a documentary called From Crime Scene to Courtroom, and I'm sure they're going to cover those farmers saying, boom, 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 boom. They heard explosions all the way down. So it's very difficult. I tried for 30 months with other people to go the political route, 
with our allegations that the uh, aircraft were electronically hijacked and took it all the way. You name every level, relevant level and branch of the U.S. government. We sent letters, emails, and made phone calls and never returned and got nowhere. So just a couple of days ago, I sent a letter to the president, not that he's going to read it himself, but maybe someone on his staff would, and said basically, hey, you had 30 months to answer if you didn't. Uh, we, we're not going to beg anymore is what I said. And uh, so what we're doing is going to – I'm getting off topic here, but we're going out to the Muslim community. There's two billion of them, and we're going – we're petitioning an organization called the Organization for Islamic Cooperation in hopes of convening an international Islamic commission for 9-11 inquiry, a Muslim 9-11 commission. Because the reason we're doing that, going to the Muslim community, besides there being two billion of them, are we believe other than the next kin, they've been more harmed than any other group on the planet Earth with, his, with Islamophobia running rampant. That's a long answer to your short question. <laughs> yes. I have uh, I have a solution about the Pentagon myself, too. What's that? Wonder Woman's plane hit it. <laughs> yeah. Right, I like exactly. that. Thanks uh, for the call, by the way. Really I'll appreciate it. I'll never... And... Um, I think Doug is finally with us here. Doug, is that you in the morning, uh, the sounds of the morning in Germany? It is. I I, I don't know what happened, but uh, my uh, my system completely failed, and I had to go to my backup telephone here, so I'm back with you guys. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. I am not surprised, and I believe... Dan is here with us. He's he's alive. He's alive. Dan, hi. I just got a I just got a message that I've been kicked from this conference. I thought you were offended by what I said, Michael. Why, why, uh, yes, offended. I'm back. <laughs> why would I be offended? <laughs> I'm just kidding you. Welcome back. Uh, yes. I didn't I didn't get that message. Is Doug back? He's here. We're Hello all again, Doug. With you. <laughs> yeah, we're all here. We're, we all Good. made it. Thank, thank God. Mark. Thank Any God, more calls man. coming in, Michael? Well, we had a few, but, you know, things are a little rocky here. So, you know, I think it's probably best yeah. that we don't take any more phone calls um, and get us uh, knocked right. off here again. Yes. But, yeah, right. so, I've said all I wanted to say. Oh, yes. Just to, pick up where I, just to pick up where I had left off before I lost you guys. Yes, Doug, go ahead. You know, what, we want, what, what I wanted to try to share with you is that uh, when these airlines change up their tactics to target pilots that actually, you know, enforce safety and security or have opinions about the false narrative of 9-11, you know, with, if they can't get you professionally, then they'll try to target your medical. And and as I told you, I had been hired at Korean Airlines. I had completed literally almost an astronaut physical, demonstrating absolute fitness for duty, never failed a flight physical in my entire career. And, um, and so they had the audacity then to try to target my medical. And, uh, we even had an expert witness, um, who, uh, had testified that their objective evidence by these pilots that lied about me that I never even flew with. Um, he said this was not objective evidence that this airman has a fitness for duty problem in any way, shape, or form. It's just the opposite. This is extreme employer abuse against an employee. And so every time we tried to use that evidence, 
um, from an expert witness who was an expert in aviation medical examiner in psychiatry and also in the HIMSS program that I mentioned to you earlier, uh, the Human Intervention Motivation Study Program. It was suppressed at every level from the arbitration to the arbitrator not allowing our expert witness, but they allowed a, a, a crony doctor on, on behalf of UPS to give a witness, but they wouldn't allow me to have an expert witness. And then when we took it to the U.S. Department of Labor and sent it to the administrative law judge, the administrative law judge alleged that he received a listing of exhibits, but this specific exhibit was missing. How convenient. And the same administrative law yeah. judge was, was the same administrative law judge that had targeted countless pilots. He had a history of targeting pilots. He was actually fired from the FAA as an attorney for fraud. And then he was recruited to the, to the, to the Department of Labor as administrative law judge. And it wasn't until Carlene Pettit's case, because of the, uh, because of the high exposure of her case, you know, making into the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, and the reason it got the exposure it did is because Steve Dixon was being nominated uh, as the FAA administrator. And because of a majority, he was still confirmed, even though he shouldn't have been. But Senator Maria Cantwell uh, on the Commerce Committee had brought all these things to light about Carlene Pettit's case. And so this judge knew that he had to placate public opinion, and he actually ruled in favor of Carlene, which she deserved it because she had an overwhelming case, just like I did. And just like Mike Protek and Carl Suring and Mark Esterbrook and countless others, but he was forced to placate public opinion and he ruled in her favor. And she actually won her case and Delta tried to appeal the case, but because they exceed the statute of limitations of the appeal, they weren't able to do so. Carlene is an amazing woman. She's an amazing pilot. She has a PhD in safety management system, SMS. She's wrote eight books. She, uh, she has about eight different type ratings. She has thousands and thousands of hours of experience, and she's just an amazing pilot, an amazing person. And she has a blog also, Carlene Pettit, P-E-T-I-T-T. -T -T. And there's also a YouTube video about her experience by Maximus. Um, this is a, a YouTube venue that highlights cases like this. And we'd like to get, you know, some airtime with them also about my case and Dan's case. We're going to try to work on that later in the future, but it just goes to show you how rigged the system is. Now, I filed an appeal to this administrative law judge's decision, and uh, when I filed the appeal, I submitted it through the Department of Labor website, and I also mailed my appeal, and when my appeal wasn't heard in, in a couple of years, and then all of a sudden Carlene's case was heard, which happened after mine, I'm like, what the heck's going on here? So I went back to the Department of Labor website, and actually, I saw that they had fraudulently taken a submitted report for an appeal to an administrative review board, and they made it as edited, as if I never submitted it. And I did submit it, and I also mailed it. So to this day, I've never gotten my day in court, even with the Department of Labor, to challenge this corrupt judge's decision um, to an administrative review board. It's, this is just – it's unbelievable, and most Americans – they just don't know what they don't know until something happens to them. And they try to use this system that they believe is real. We've been, you know, pumped with nonsense ever since we were children, you know, citing the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag to believe that we have all these rights and freedoms. But we don't. They just don't exist. That's a sad reality of being a citizen here in America. Well, you know, Michael, I, 
I served in the United States Air Force for 22 years. I'm a highly decorated military officer and a pilot, and I've never been able to even walk into a courtroom to judge the credibility of known perjured witnesses yeah, by nuts. design. Judges unilaterally, judges unilaterally dismissing the cases, abusing the federal rules of civil procedure, saying there were no material facts in dispute. But there are thousands of material facts in dispute. And, uh, you know, the Federal Rules of Civil Procedure 56 clearly states if there is one material facts in dispute, it must be heard at a jury trial. But you don't see a jury trial in civil cases anymore for the average American, especially when it relates to workplace violence, retaliation, ULPs, unfair labor practices. It just doesn't happen. My God. Well, they, they kicked this U.S. Naval aviator in the teeth, and that was a mistake. I'm coming at him. Yes, you are. Both of you Absolutely. are. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Um, what? What a crazy event that impacted so many lives. Not just the people and that died in that building, up. but everyone. Absolutely, and it's changed the face right. of aviation as we know it. I mean, look at the, like as we mentioned. Look at the uh, line air and the Ethiopian crashes, and then countless others. And whenever there's an accident or an incident, they'll always try to blame the pilot. In one way or another, I'm sure most of your audience has seen the movie Sully and how they tried to set him up just like they always do. You know, I had an engine f a failure in a Boeing 777 last year and uh, we were climbing through 17,000 feet, about 50 miles west of Dan's house. <laughs> Believe it or not, I wow. had dinner with Dan the, the night before in Islamabad, Pakistan. We had an engine failure. I uh, immediately uh, leveled the airplane off. I told the first officer to declare an emergency. I said, you tell them what we're doing. We're not asking. You tell them we're turning back towards the airport. We want to lower altitude. And we want to rate our vectors for the instant landing system approach. And we ran through five checklists. We recalculated overweight landing data. We shut the engine down. I did a flawless single engine approach and landing. And there was no personal injury damage to the airplane or property other than the failed engine that was a mechanical problem with the engine internally. And the first thing they did when we got on the ground, uh, they wanted us to go back to our original parking spot. And I says, no, we're going to have hot brakes. We need to go to an uninhabited parking spot. We want stairs. We want buses. I want crash, fire, and rescue to follow us. And so we went back to the uh, the parking spot that they reassigned us. And sure enough, we did have hot brakes. I shut the uh, – they put the chocks on the wheels, and then I shut the motors down. They brought the stairs up, and before a single passenger got off the airplane, the aviation authority came on to the airplane, and there were three people, and they were wearing white coats, and they uh, and they basically shoved a device in my face and into the first officer's face, and I says, what's going on here? She says, oh, it's our protocol. We have to give you a breathalyzer test, and we need to hurry because we need to take you to the other side of town to do your analysis and a blood mm. draw. And so I stopped them in their I stopped them in their tracks, and I says, wait a minute. I says, I respect your protocol, but you better respect the fact that I'm still the captain of this airplane, and we're still dealing with an emergency until every single passenger is off this airplane. I said, we have hot brakes, we have fuel in the tank, and there's a crash fire and rescue vehicle right there. I said, we have post-flight duties, and I says, and we are not going anywhere until we accomplish this, and you are disrupting a flight deck crew in the performance of an emergency a situation. I said, you can either remove yourself from this flight deck, or I'm going to call airport security. And so they finally left the airplane. But the problem is, is they're looking for a way to target the pilots one way or another. And, you know, when we went to the other side of town and we did the analysis, uh, before we left, I told the first officer, I said, take some bottles of water. 
He says, what do you mean? I says, take some bottles of water and drink up. I says, because when we get there, you need to fill that sample all the way to the top. And we're going to take a picture of it. Because, you know, these, the way these companies roll, whether it's Boeing Damn. or G or GE, yeah. you know, they'll, they'll pay off the test facility and hmm. they'll try to, uh, and they'll try to throw the, uh, the result. Now, in this case, that didn't happen, but still we have to protect ourselves and we have to be guarded at all right. times because they'll always try to blame the pilots. That's the problem we're faced with. And this is the reality of the chilling effect. Doug, I don't know if it's it's safe. Doug, I don't know if it's safe for you to be flying. I feel like they're going to possibly plant something on you. If not, plant a bomb in in your plane. No, I don't think so. But not um, that extreme. um, Okay. You know, it's pilots like us that that are out there enforcing safety and security, and we're the guys that are getting the job done. And we need more pilots like Dan and I to stand up and do the same. I agree. More pilots need to come forward, and of course, you're not the only pilots out there who believe a lot of what you guys believe in. There's plenty of them out there. And you're they're lining up, Uncle. Yeah. I couldn't that? hear you, Dan. Yeah, what was that, Dan? I said they're lining up to talk to us. They are lining up to talk to us. And right. Captain Mark Noah, I've said his name a couple times during the broadcast, Michael. Captain Mark Noah is a hero, and he stood up to the company and he told them, you can take your NDA and shove it up your ass. He didn't use those exact words, but that's basically the message yeah. he sent him. And now he, he had to hire an attorney. He has the same attorney Carlene Pettit has. And he, right now, he's preparing his case. He, he sent all the information to the FAA. We have transcripts. We have audio files. The FAA is supposedly going to be conducting interviews. Um, they wow. interviewed Mark Noah. They're supposedly going to interview me. We'll see if it actually happens. You know, but, you know, you just don't know who the oh, big guys are anymore, Michael. What was that, Dan? Go ahead. Yeah. They try to delay this process so long that they run the litigant out of money where he can't go on anymore with the lawyers. That's their game plan. Look how long Doug's case is drug out. Yes, they've been dragging that case through the mud for all this time. And it's ridiculous, really. I mean, Doug is not just some uh, average Joe. You know, he kind of earned his right. Well, you know, the yeah. thing about it is, Michael, is you get these, these, these political operatives like, uh, Richard Blumenthal and, 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 you know, and, and there's others like him. They say every American deserves their day in court. Right. This is just rhetoric. No American, you know, they will, they will sequester the truth. They will make sure that you don't get your day in court. You can't walk into a courtroom these days. And even if you do, it's a rigged fight. You know, it's already preordained what the outcome's going to be because they know who's paying them off under the table. You know, I had a friend of mine years ago. Can you still hear me, guys? We hear you. Can you st- yeah. Okay, because my, I think my earbuds are warning me they're about ready to power down. I might have to go to voice. You know, one of my good friends years ago told me when I shared my story, I reached out to him. He was a victim as well. He told me, he says, Doug, he says they're rotten to the core. I'll pay off the attorneys and the judges through channels. And he says, and I'm sorry, but it doesn't look like you probably have a chance in hell with this rig system. And you probably ought to just take it on the chin and start your life over. And you know who that friend was, Michael? Who was that? Captain Captain Dan Handler. Ah. He told me that almost <laughs> seven years ago. I was going to say, was it George Bush? <laughs> no, it was Captain Dan <laughs> Handley. Even better. And, and and we and we've been in the trenches ever since, and we put a game plan together, and we've 
basically laid out a systematic course of action that we're going to follow. We're going to expose this corruption so that we can preserve the integrity of aviation and the flying public. I mean, can you imagine being a pilot? And you have to be concerned of the possibility that, hey, it just might not be your day. There could be some nefarious plan of action for to take one for the team, for the right. greater good of the hidden ruling class's agenda. And you could be unfortunately victimized if you just don't know it. That's right. This is why you don't become what what's called a company guy. You should never become friends with uh, anyone at your work, your coworkers there. They are all willing to put the knife in your back. And it doesn't matter what company you work for. They will all screw you over in the end, boys and girls. And this is another fine example of that. This is true. And we just don't have a venue. The American worker, the American people do not have a venue for honest adjudication. The whole system of justice is the biggest fraud that's been committed on the American people. Amen. I was actually flying. I was actually flying with one of my colleagues just recently. He says, well, Captain, but I thought the United States has one of the most honest justice systems in the world. And huh. I said, well, what makes you think that? Yeah, yeah. He says, he says, well, I watch Law and Order. Oh, my <laughs> like, God. There you have it. Law and Order. Hollywood. Hollywood. <laughs> I said, this there, there is no Law and Order. It's a lawless America. And this is one of the great American lies that they've propagated to the world. The United States pulled out of the U.N. Covenant of Civil and Political Rights. They don't care about people's civil and political rights. No, of course it's, not. It, it's a mockery of justice. That's all it is. It's all for show. That's right. I mean, look at a... Michael? Oh, yes, Dan, go ahead. Yes, no, sir. I don't know how many more minutes I have. On this phone I'm using, we have to buy minutes to use it. Oh, my. So if I drop off, that's what it is. No worries. That's what it is if no I drop worries. off again. I hear yeah. you. Yeah. Well, I think it, it's it's pretty much that time to sort of wind down here, I, I believe. Um, yeah. Both of you have been just amazing guests, and I couldn't ask for any more. So, Dan, you know, I, I would love to talk to you even longer here, but I know we are limited in time, so... Go ahead and leave us with uh, some final thoughts, my friend. The floor is yours. Okay. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. And if I go to the chat notes after this is published and I see there were no planes or there was a missile that hit the Pentagon, I warned you, we don't take either side of that issue. I'm not crazy either. Uh, but thank you for listening in. And I, we've created a documentary, 9-11 Pilot Whistleblowers, and we just released it last week. It's called 9-11 as end of the Ninth Crusade, if you want to uh, tune into that. And I have a, a memoir that's soon to be published. It'll be on Amazon and Kindle. And it's called a Grounded Memoir of a 9-11 Pilot Whistleblower. And it goes into all this and more. It goes into a lot more. So I'm not... I didn't write it to make money. I went wrote it to inform people. It's very nice. Hello? Oh. Okay. Yes. Thank you, though, Captain Dan. That That's Captain Dan Hanley there, ladies and gentlemen. And we will definitely have to bring you on again, my friend, and, and we'll continue this discussion with you. Looking forward to it, Michael. Thanks again for having me on. You got it, my friend. We'll talk to you again. Okay. Bye-bye. Good night. And there goes Captain Dan Hanley. 
And that just leaves me and you, Doug. Yes. Yes, we are coming to a close here rather, rather shortly. And, you know, there's still so much more to talk about in terms of 9-11 and its direct influence on all of us, especially with the war on terror, the quote-unquote war on terror. Yeah, the boogeyman. The, the boogeyman. The boogeyman. Oh, yeah. You know, every time, every time we go through, you know, all these security checkpoints, it's quite amazing, you know, how people are treated. It's, it's deplorable. Um, you know, uh, Michael Chertoff, you know, he was formerly head of the Department of Homeland Security. Now he's, uh, very well invested in these new radar screening machines that mm. we see across the world. And it's, it's quite amazing how all the dark money tentacles, uh, are directly linked to the people that were involved in this heinous crime against committed against humanity. And uh, it's very unfortunate. But, you know, for me, um, you know, I even see pilots when they go through the United States for the good order takers to sustain the false narrative, still harassing pilots. I fly with pilots from countries from all over the world. And uh, oftentimes uh, when they go through security and, and customs, um, after completing a 16-hour duty day flying an airplane across the North Atlantic Ocean, they're harassed. They're harassed. They're taken off into another room. Um, some pilots have been detained for up to four hours uh, for questioning. That's it's crazy. Preposterous. It, it yeah. is crazy. It, they're holding a, a U.S. visa. Um, they're professional airmen, and uh, they're they're just treated horribly. And I've never been treated that anywhere in the world, anywhere I've ever been. Oftentimes, I tell the pilots, I says, "You go first. And I said, and if they harass you, then I'll have something to say about it. Because they're afraid to speak up. Because then they'll say, oh, you're resisting. Well, am I, am I being arrested? Or what am I resisting? I'm simply, you know, trying to share my concern why you're giving me a hard time. You know, because most of these pilots, they need to get into crew rest because they have to do it again within 24 mm, hours. I see. And so when they go through, I have, I'll follow them up and I'll, I'll tell the uh, person, because I'm from the United States and I'm not afraid to speak up. I'll tell them, listen. I said, I don't know what's going on here, but if this is part of your 9-11 false narrative harassment program, I says, I'm going to take your name and your ID and I'm going to turn your ass in. I said, because uh, that young man, he needs to be out of there in five minutes. And uh, and sometimes I'm successful and they come out pretty quick. Yeah. But sometimes but sometimes I'm not. Sometimes it's you're just, not. It's just another charade to sustain the false narrative. That's all this is. And you're, you're and cur- so, obviously you're currently flying as we just discussed here, and have they set any protocols in terms of getting that uh, needle up your arm? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, they forced it, you know, on all the pilots. You know, they basically held our jobs over our head. Oh, you either shit. take the shot or you're done. And um, and now that most pilots are more aware of what we really believe is going on, yeah. I, I think most pilots, they won't, they won't take another vaccination. Uh, for me, I won't take another vaccination. So I'll, you I'll had, two. so you, ba- you, you basically are uh, vaxxed basically because of your job. You had to do it. I did. I did. I had to do it under duress. It was no, you know, you either did it or else you were going to be removed from the flight schedule and if, and you'd be disqualified. So uh, I was forced to, I'm sorry I did. Um, because I think there could be long-term consequences to these vaccines. We don't really know. Well, we don't really have to. Yeah, let, let's not get into that part here. No, let's not. Yeah, let's not, let's uh, not. talk about that, yes. <laughs> um, I but think we don't agree with um, 
you know, we agree with all of that that went on. We don't really subscribe to all that. Um, and we'll just leave it at there. Good plan. Yeah, we we'll that's, that's a topic for another show, I think, Michael. But it is a topic that probably is worthy of being addressed. Oh, of course, but just this not uh, just not right now. We don't want to get yeah, pulled yeah, but, Larry Silverstein style here. No, no, of course. Well said. <laughs> well said. No, that's what I'm afraid you know, of. You know, when we when we just think about World Trade Center 7, I often ask a lot of people, you know, um, pilots I fly with, other Americans, other people from other countries, do you know how many buildings fell in Manhattan? Oh, they don't even and they know. All, and they, they don't know. They just focus on the buzz phrase, twin towers. Tower, right. And I says, no, there was a third building that fell, World Trade Center 7. And it was, and it was without a doubt controlled demolition. I said, you know, United 93 just never made it to its target. And I believe that that's where it was destined was for a World Trade Center 7. And the airplanes were just the distraction as aircraft, um, en engineers and, and even architects and engineers of high rise structures with, uh, Richard Gage, as you know, uh, right, architects right. and engineers for 9-11 Truth. They said it's virtually impossible for that to have happened. And even, you know, in the Europe, in the European Union, um, a lot of people here in Europe, they said when they saw that third build, building fall, they raised the bullshit flag. They said, no, that's not possible. And as you know, they dispatched a research team from the University of Copenhagen, Denmark. Niels Herrett was the leading professor. Niels Herrett was the lead investigator. And when they went to all the sites and took soil samples, they found mass quantities of Turpex, which is nanothermite. Right. You know, it's it's a highly explosive incendiary. It burns through metal like a hot knife does through butter. And so, you know, to not raise concerns, and, and then the building falls eight hours later because the distraction never made it to its target. Come on. I right. Mean, we were born at night, but not not, not last night. I mean, exactly. it's only in the morning in, in Germany, but I... <laughs> Come on. That's right. That's right. And, and we heard multiple explosions. Well, not me and you, but that was what was reported by the first responders and police officers and just normal everyday people running around there. They heard explosions um, over at, at the uh, Twin Towers and, of course, over at the World Trade Center 7. Uh, yeah. Building 7, a 47-story skyscraper, by the way, not directly hit by an airplane, mind you just somehow magically collapsed in the uh, late afternoon on September 11th. And and plummeted into its footprint. And NIST, the National Institute of Science and Standards and Technology, they alleged that it was due to office fires, you know, from the Twin Towers falling. And uh, it's preposterous. You know, Richard Gage is an amazing guy. And yeah, he's been 3, here. 000, he's a good guy. Yeah, over, over 3,000 architects and engineers who are experts in their field said it's impossible now how many of those architects and engineers gave witness testimony at the 9-11 omission here oh i'm sorry commission hearing the 9-11 commission hearing uh, to my knowledge not one you know yeah, I was gonna say, I anybody, any of them any experts that try to voice opinions you know is labeled a conspiracy theorist it's, it's preposterous yeah but you know in closing you know um the I'd like to just say thank you, Michael, Absolutely, for your yes. endearing support, um, giving us this platform to share the truth and to share the collateral damage 9-11 is still having on aviation safety, uh, the airline industry as a whole, with a, an enormous chilling effect on pilots. 
And uh, it's guys like us that we're trying to continue our legacy of professionalism to protect the safety and security of the flying public. And that's why we're here. I agree and strongly. So, yes, I'm with thank, you. Thank I you. acquiesce. And Doug, I mean, it's always a honor and pleasure to have you here, my friend. And we will definitely do this again on the other side. And we'll get into all kinds of things here. We'll get further into this discussion and the events of 9-11, whether or not our government had prior knowledge, which obviously, you know, the answer to that for yes, knowledge and warnings. Of course, there were specific warnings or intelligence that we had received from uh, multiple government agencies around the world prior to the attacks that morning. But again, that's for another day, my friend. That's true. And, and in closing, you know, a quote from Desmond Tutu. He said, if you're neutral in situations of injustice, you have chosen the side of the oppressor. And uh, I, I, I think Dan and I, uh, we hold these truths very close to our heart, and we will not be silenced in situations of injustice. And 9-11 was one of the greatest injustices of humanity. And so we'll close on that note. And Michael, once again, thank you to you and your and your listeners. You got it, my friend. We will talk on the other side. Sounds great. Take care, brother. Take care. Mahalo. <laughs> oh. There you go. And there he goes, boys and girls. That was Captain Doug Green. And of course, Captain Dan Hanley, you also heard here this evening. Both of my guests were tremendous. And uh, yeah. Forward knowledge and warnings. There were plenty. There were plenty. So much happened that that insane Tuesday morning, boys and girls. We haven't even scratched the surface yet here. We didn't even get to talk about the role of Saudi Arabia. Oh yes, the Saudi government definitely had links to the 9-11 hijackers. The feds. They had links to the so-called 9-11 hijackers. If only we had government transparency, boys and girls. But we don't. We may never know what happened completely. And of course, no one really talks about the weird behavior of one George Bush. Do you remember that shit? Do you remember him in the classroom with all the kids? That was a little weird, right? It seemed a little pre-planned. It seemed orchestrated. In my opinion, it seemed a little suspect. We haven't even talked about Bin Laden. He had been dead. He had been dead for uh, quite some time, so they say. But somehow, they buried him at sea, which is also bullshit in my opinion. So much happened. Yes. Dr. Strangelove. Yes, weird gay bush chat. I'm not sure what that means, but I I agree. I agree with you. I agree with all of you out there. Yes, and the dancing Israelis. I remember that too. I remember a lot of things. And uh, caller, go ahead. You are live on the air. Hey, Michael. It's the depressed Hawaiian. The depressed Hawaiian. You're, you're alive. <laughs> I tried to call in earlier, but I think something happened and I ended up having my own separate conversation with uh captain dan <laughs> yeah pretty cool you guys were uh, <laughs> talking amongst each other yeah so that was nice. awesome but uh i don't know if you you guys didn't hear anything that we said did you no we we couldn't hear you guys i, I don't know what happened tonight was just a very weird night in terms of audio yeah it was it was um, rather gay 
<laughs> it was very gay. But hey, we're here. We're here. Sorry, yeah. I know you're trying to wrap it up. Ah, it's um, okay. I'm just glad you're alive. I mean, a lot of a lot of people were wondering what happened to you, and if you're safe, if your family's all right, what 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 the hell happened, man? Well, I appreciate all the concern from all your viewers and yourself. I, I feel really special. I mean, like to have such a vast following out there. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know I was so so loved. People but, like you. Uh, appreciate you guys checking to make sure I'm okay. Yeah. Fortunately, I live on uh, Oahu, so we weren't impacted by the fire. Nice. Um, okay, good. Yeah, man. But, but I know that's a whole separate conversation. That's that okay, though. I mean, a lot. Of, yeah, but a lot of people are wondering, you know, your thoughts and opinions on the whole Maui situation, and if you know anyone who was directly impacted by the, the fire. Um, I don't, thankfully. Um, but I definitely think that it. it it was arson, and I do think that they're. I be, I'm a. I'm a doer. I believe in the do, and that was my first. <laughs> yeah. I was. I was like the first person to say it that I knew. I was telling all my friends and family like, "Oh, that was a do," and I posted a link on one of your videos. Um, okay. About a there's a news. It was a local news article here back in February, right after the mysterious Chinese balloon. Ah. Um, yeah. People were spotting these strange laser beams over the island of Hawaii being shot down in the middle of the night. And like, you can go just Google laser beam, strange laser beams over Hawaii. But basically they said that there was a satellite, a Chinese satellite shooting laser beams on the island. And it was just a little blip. They wrote just a little small article. And then the next day it's just like, I just forget about it. But I thought that was strange. I'm not saying that China did the, uh, the fires. I think they're trying to, I don't know, maybe they'll blame China, but um, there's definitely technology. You really think China there. is responsible? No, I don't. I oh, mean, you don't? No, I don't. I mean, they may, but I mean, I mean, from I, what we learned um, from 9-11. I mean, that would be I mean, kind of, willing. that would be kind of, uh, I, I hate to say it, but that'd be kind of cool if we had someone else uh, doing that. And then we find out and then we get into a big sort of uh, battle with them. And then we shoot I, a, a laser at them. Right? Like. Can it be an actual enemy instead of our own government for once? I wish. I'm, I'm down with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm down for uh, America to go and, you know, nuke a mother, you know what? Yeah. Exactly. That's what I'm, that's what right. I'm uh, hoping for here. I'm hoping America maybe perhaps uh, nukes Russia and the Ukraine. That's what I'm wishing for, but I don't think that's going to happen. I would, I would put Israel. Israel's on the top of my list. Well, you might... Yeah, I you might get arrested now. <laughs> I know. I'm probably going to get my door kicked in now. My the ADL is going to be looking for you, by the way. Yeah, definitely. Oh, they're going to want to talk to you. I'm surprised they haven't. Yeah, you you got to be careful saying that. I do apologize. Yeah, they're going to be knocking at your door. <laughs> but um, I was going to tell you, man, I don't even know. I could go in so many different directions, but... Uh, 9 11. reason maybe why why I'm a depressed Hawaiian. Yeah, why are you a depressed Hawaiian? Well, there's, <laughs> there's many reasons. There's, okay. suffer, there's many, many reasons. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, I guess there shouldn't be any reason. I shouldn't be. You should be happy. happy. You're, you're in uh, tropical paradise. A lot of people would love to be there. Oh, you know, Lots of homeless people I would love to be there instead of um, down Skid Row in Los Angeles. Well, 
well, they they send the ball here, and and that's oh, one shit. of the reasons why I am depressed. Really? Or why? Why I always talk so badly about Hawaii? Now, you and uh, Mike used to think I was like, you know, crazy. Yeah, well, then you lost your after mind. Seeing, I don't know. After seeing this fire and the way our government here handled it, yeah, or or probably started it. I mean. This is all the kind of stuff that I've been talking about for for so long to so many people about how incompetent and corrupt it is here. And like, Mm. it's just, I mean, you walk down the street and you're like stepping over homeless people. They're just like hunched over, injecting themselves with drugs. Like, it's just like becoming a third world shithole here for lack of a better term. Got that Uh, ice problem out there. Yeah. You got nice mountains and, and the ocean here, but. Hey, I watch a dog, the bounty hunter. I know. Right, right. It's, it's pretty much yeah, dog, the bounty hunter, man. Uh, but that's I mean, real. We can't even put out a, a fire. We don't even have fire or water in our fire hydrant. You guys don't even have fire hoses out there. Yeah, no. This whole thing stinks to high heaven, and the people here, they're going to just continue to put up with it and continue to vote Democrat. Like it's. I mean, not that I don't even believe in the party system, but but I do hold the Democratic Party of Hawaii responsible. Do you hold them responsible for that? Absolutely. Uh, And then I don't know if you saw our governor here, Josh Green, passed an emergency housing resolution three weeks before the fire started to uh, basically get rid of a bunch of um, what's it called, the guidelines or restrictions, basically fast track commercial development. So Mm -hmm. now, like all these. Uh, environmental procedures that you're supposed to follow. They got rid of that three weeks before the fire. Isn't that happened. funny? It's just a little bit suspicious, in my opinion. But there's so many questions uh, to be to be asked. This is why we. This is why we all want government transparency, but that's never going to happen. That's uh, that's just uh, just a nice thought. Yeah, but yeah, it's not reality. Nice It'll never yeah. happen. Unfortunately. And, you know, furthermore, you know, a lot of people say, well, where's the smoking gun in terms of 9-11? In terms of anything, everyone wants to know, where where's the smoking gun? Well, unfortunately, we will never be handed the smoking gun. We'll never get answers from our own government. I think there's tons of evidence. I mean, this gun is smoking, but people don't want it. Most people don't look for it, and they don't want to know about it. And when you start to tell them about it, they think, "Oh, you're crazy," or "Or why do you waste your time? Like, with, like why why focus on that when you can just focus on yourself?" Like, people don't care. But like the essential, I think people need to be the first step to understanding. I mean, you could go beyond way back before 9-11, but in order to understand the world that we live in today, it's essential to know what happened on 9-11, but most people don't want to know. They want to keep their heads in the dirt, and they want to just keep continuing. uh, Well, it's easier to live life that way, and it's easier to live life like the majority of people in this country or in the world, for that matter. Most people (laughs) don't care about any of this. They don't. They don't. As long as they they um, get home and watch their favorite TV show on, on television and eat their favorite meal, once they get off of work, I mean everything's nice and dandy. And fucking watch football or manage the fantasy football teams. And, yeah, everyone uh, has something yeah. that they'd like, and then you just sort of get lost in that world, and everything else around you doesn't seem to matter anymore. It's. Um, I was telling Dan, uh, he's gonna hear, but. 
I feel like I'm always somehow kind of connected to like these tragedies. But on 9 11, uh, my, my dad worked at the Pentagon for like 10 years. Really? And I, yeah, I spent many days in the Pentagon. He used to take me there like on my summer break because we didn't want to hire a babysitter. So like, I kind of like grew up in the Pentagon. I was a sophomore when 9 11 happened and I thought my dad had died that day. I didn't even know if he was alive or not. Until, wow. Um, like 11 o'clock that night because all the phone lines were down. And yeah, so 9 11 was, is a big deal. It's a big deal me. for I'll you. I'll never forget that day. Damn. And I went there the weekend after 9 11 with my dad to try and take some pictures and just to see, see the, uh, the site. And we went. Yeah. To this like grassy knoll across the street from the Pentagon, not even like in the Pentagon property. And I'm taking a picture with a disposable camera and like literally like two minutes later, a Humvee comes flying up and these two dudes jump out with assault rifles and snatch the camera out of my hand. Like, and I, that's what, um, Doug and Dan were talking about, how they took all the cameras away. And like my dad was a colonel at the time and he was like arguing with his like private in the army telling him like, yo, like, I outrank you, like, leave my son back his camera. And, like, I thought they were about to, like, freaking gun it down because mm. I took a picture of the Pentagon. Um, but, yeah, man, 9-11, crazy. I wanted to ask Doug and about NORAD. What are thoughts about NORAD? Where yeah, they NORAD. Yeah, they, they stood down, and that's the craziest thing of all. No plane should yeah. have, have ever, or anything, should have never hit the Pentagon. Yeah, it doesn't make Pentagon or the World Trade. Yeah, for that matter, of course. None of that should have happened. We're pretty much the most advanced nation in the world. Yet NORAD NORAD stood down. They stood down and they were having a drill that day to confuse all the the fighter jets, all all the pilots. Like they were were having an actual drill. Yeah, there were drills. uh, Intercepting hijacked planes that were supposedly flying into buildings. Like that was the drill. They were drilling for Literally. exactly what happened on that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And they seem to do that. They seem to always have these drills. And, of course, there was a drill in Chicago in relations yep. to uh, in relation to what we experienced a few years ago. And we'll leave it at that. Yeah, there's always, like, these drills during the active shooters, active shootings and whatnot. It's a really but, convenient uh, thing, yes. It is. It's a good way to distract, and, and they can also, like, they can film footage from one scene and use it and that can, and try to make it seem like it's the real thing that happened. And yeah, man, but, uh, I've been, dude, I've been meaning to call in. I've been like having literally the worst year of my life. Like, but I'm not going to. The worst year of your life. Why? <laughs> I am the depressed wine, man. <laughs> well, what happened? My girlfriend's been sick. Your girlfriend, she got COVID. What happened? Sick. Yeah, she got blood clots. I want to say it could be from the, the vaccine. Oh, my God. Don't say that. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Allegedly. Allegedly. And allegedly. There you go. She's been, yeah, dealing with a lot of health problems this year. And then in May, my mom got hit by a car. So oh, my I, I God. To, yeah, dude, I'm cursed, man. Dude, your mom got and, hit by a goddamn car. Yeah. Oh, my uh, God. You're... you're you're breaking my heart here. And uh, so that's why I've disappeared because I was in a different time zone. And Oh, my God. And I, I don't know. You, you went off the air for a while because 
Yeah, I heard. Because I, I was always checking, and I, I was a little injured. Yeah, I back to, or something, right? Yeah, yeah. I hurt my back. I had to take some time away, and I'm still not 100, percent but I'm almost there. I'm getting a lot better, but yeah, I haven't been uh, quite the same. But uh, it well, does yeah. not it it doesn't compare to what you went through, my friend. Well, you just need to uh, take some opioids, and you'll be good. Well, I have taken nothing. I've, <laughs> I've gone through the pain like <laughs> a man. That's good. Have you heard it again? You're getting out of the chair. I was sitting down like an idiot. <laughs> and I, I had sat down like an idiot for the past several weeks, sitting down, leaning all the way back. And I'm one of those open back chairs, and I pinched uh, the nerve by, uh, I'm like leaning all the way down like an idiot. I don't know what the hell I was thinking, but I did that repeatedly. And then one day I, I try to get, I try to get up and, my my legs were falling asleep. It was the weirdest sensation. It, it it ruined me for a good month, basically. But I I did not take uh, anything for it. I wanted to feel the pain, and I sure did. And I you didn't got, smoke any crack. Hell no. I I wanted to feel the pain. I wanted to feel the depression. I wanted to feel like I was nothing. And that's exactly what I felt like. I um got. I even got depressed for a minute there. It is depressing when you're injured and you can't, you can't do anything. Yeah. Your life normal. Yeah. So I was like a hostage in in my bed, basically. Damn, that's It's all right though. I hope you're doing better now. I'm okay. I fought through it and I stretched out. I did more stretching than a pregnant woman. <laughs> so I'm I'm all right. You know, I I went through it. I dealed with the pain head on. You laughed. You cried. I laughed, I cried, no doubt. I I was hurting, I'm telling you. But sometimes you've got to do that. You've got to put yourself in that mindset where you do feel like you are fecal matter and you don't belong on the earth. Maybe you belong underground, and that's where I was that's, mentally. That's how I felt this year, man. I think it's weird. Yeah. Like, just like a lot of people I talk to, this has been a bad year for them. It's been a very bad year. myself. Yes, sir. You're not the only one, my friend, but... Yeah. I, I am so sorry to hear about that. I had no idea that your mother had been hit by a car. I, I mean, that is goddamn insane. Was it a drunk driver or was it just some freak accident? Dude, it was, so she, she was at work. She was inside of a fucking building. Oh, my God. Like 20 feet in the building, down the hall, sitting behind a desk. And some supposedly old-ass lady, 77 years old. Oh, my God. I don't even know how, like... I don't even know how she hit my mom because it's not. I thought like the car was parked right in front of the building, like the parking stalls like face the building, but they don't even face the building, and I don't even. It doesn't even make sense. And uh, what's even more freaky, man, is uh, I, I hate to sound so freaking downer, but I was also hit by a car when I was a kid. You were hit by a car too. Skateboarding. <laughs> yeah, Jesus I got run over when I was skateboarding, and now my mom gets hit by a car hitting inside a building at work like right. so i'm like i don't know man. that but is the most crazy. random way to go it is it jesus is. my friend well now you now you made me sad fires now i'm what i said now you made me sad oh uh, well no she didn't she's still alive thankfully oh she's still alive yeah yeah she didn't die I'm oh shit okay very, i thought she was lucky. dead i'm like oh my god no it's a miracle she didn't die but Oof. She okay. Almost did. She wow. Was in the hospital for a month. And still going to need more surgeries, and we don't even 
it's a fucking mess. It well, is a mess. Wow. Anyways. Well, my um, friend, um, oh, yeah. Good you know, to talk to you, man. yeah, it was great to talk to you. You know, I, I wish it wasn't under these uh, circumstances here, but you know, that's just sort of the hand we were dealt. And, you know, that's unfortunately what we have to play with. Yeah. Stay tough out there, my friend. You too. Watch out for them dudes and those hijacked airplanes and shit, man. Yeah, I'm trying to look out for everything here. <laughs> lots of, uh, lots of crazy people out there, man. I know. I feel like there's so much more I wanted to ask you, but, um, that's I'm okay. Wait till your next show. We'll save it. Yeah. We'll, we'll save it for later. I'm going to be yeah. back probably Friday night. I'll be here live with Mike. Sweet. I'll definitely be tuning in then. You got it, my friend. Well, well, Jesus Christ. I, you know, I wish I could say more to you, but, you know, I kind of can't. I can nah. only just say, you know, nah, I dude, wish the best you, for you and, you know, continue forward, my friend. Stay strong. Your show, honestly, man, I, I was like, those four months, I kept going to your, looking for your channel because, like, literally, your show brings me joy. And Thank you. And uh, I love the... I try. The insanity because not, not too many people... Um, I feel like you and I have the same type of personnel and your views. So we have a nice little community. We're all a little bit crazy, but we're also, yeah, you know, we're passionate nice. and we, we know a lot of shit and we can talk about stuff. And, but, um, but yeah, what my point is, you don't have to say anything. Your show is my therapy. So I appreciate what you do. Amen to that. It is for me too. <laughs> you know, I can't stay away that long from my own show. You know, I will sort of lose my sanity. And that's basically, again, that's another thing that happened to me that a lot of people don't even realize that I'm laying there in bed for almost an entire month, really. And I began really hating myself and everything I have ever known about myself. I had like a psychedelic trick, a trip. I'm not even uh, joking. I went into my mind. I believe you, man. Yeah, it was crazy. I, I was tripping inside my own mind and I didn't take any drugs whatsoever yeah i've been kind of on that same trip too this, over the summer and it's been a, yeah i had a, I, I was out of work for four months so i had a lot of free time and let's just put it this way uh, let's just put it this way my friend i watched myself live and die about 10 times that's, that's intense it is i kept seeing uh, my inception and, and i saw my death at least five times i wonder what that's that's supposed to mean i don't know maybe it's not good but that's where i was but i uh, <laughs> pulled myself out of that so and that's what i well, want all of you. I'm glad you're back, man. absolutely and that's something i i want all of you to know that you too can pull yourself out of any sort of a uh, mental obstacle that's in your way that will just sort of um come out of nowhere come out of the come out of the goddamn ocean on you but it's your job to sort of power through it all and I know all of you will, because you are strong and you're smart, and you all do the right thing when it matters. And you too will do the right thing when it matters, and you'll get through any of these issues you got going on. They will be a thing of the past eventually, my friend. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Stay strong out there, my friend, and I'll talk to you again, uh, hopefully Saturday, if you call in. I will. I definitely will. You got and, it, uh, next, If you ever disappear again for more than a month, or a couple weeks. I'm gonna I'm gonna call this number. Call the yes. Call this number. Or call the president if I go missing. <laughs> I will. You got. I was it, worried. I was like, life couldn't get any worse, and then <laughs> you disappear. I was like, Jesus, I'm about to end it all. Don't do that. Yes, don't end it all yet. 
We still have uh, plenty of shows right. left, so don't uh, go away yeah, yet. All right. All, all right, right man. my friend. Take care. Thanks for taking my call. You got it. All right, you too. Take care. Love you. Love Bye. you too. Take care. And there he goes. That was our friend from Hawaii. And yes, it's one thirty-five in the morning. And yes, that is, that is in fact pretty amazing. I'm glad you stayed up. I'm glad all of you uh, stayed up and hung out with me here. I know we had some trouble. You know, we had our ups and downs during this program. It was a roller coaster of a ride. It's basically what I like to refer as um, a bit of a rattlesnake. There we go. I like to refer to it as a bit of a rattlesnake, and that's what we got here tonight. Yeah, it was pretty goddamn wild. But we pulled through. And see, that should be a metaphor for you guys. In life, things go off the rails. Things don't go as planned. And that's what life is all about. It's a endless cycle of obstacles. That's what life is. East Coast here, yes. Much love to all of you out there. Yes, I want to uh, thank all of you guys, all you great people out there. Men and women out there on YouTube, this is your first time hanging out with us uh, here tonight. Don't ever be afraid to call in. This is a interactive show, a call-in show, and you too can get involved. Write this number down. You might need it next time. 424-666-2425. Commit that to memory, and we definitely will take your phone call, most likely on Saturday. That's the next time we will do it again. And if you want bonus content, please go to patreon.com forward slash Michael Deacon. And we have plenty, plenty of episodes there for you. That we do. And again, first time listeners out there, please subscribe to us here on YouTube. And of course, those of you who take us on the road, which I love, take the show on the road with you. Don't listen to radio or other Shows, listen to mine. That's the best way to do it. Search the Michael Deacon program wherever you listen to podcasts. That's where you'll find this program. Pretty simple. And of course, michaeldeacon.com. Sign up to the newsletter. Never miss a goddamn show. Live show Saturday. I got a lot to say about Canada. That's what Dr. Detroit is saying here in the chat room. And as we wind down, as we wind down here, folks, Talking about 9-11 here, we definitely will be remembering that fateful day for the rest of our lives. We honor the memory of those who perish, no doubt. And uh, yeah, I think about my friend who gave me this, uh, the nickname, Deacon, that actually was given to me by a friend who went and died in Iraq. For those of you who wondered about the name, well, I just revealed it to you. That's how I got the name. And it stuck. And now that friend of mine is dead. Yeah, pretty wild, right? You're here one day, and then you're gone the next. Pretty wild. I definitely want all of you to remember this evening here. Remember all the things we talked about here. Yes, commit all this to memory, boys. Oh, yes. My, my, my. What a time to be alive. And pretty much, this is the end of the year, basically. It's almost the end. Can you believe it? I know I can't. Holy shit, time has really flown by. Oh, yes. And for those who are wondering, it's extremely hot where I am. Even at this hour, I'm like sweating bullets and it's not, it's the dead of night here. It's 83 degrees right now out here. And of course, the highs were in the triple digits. Just another 
beautiful night in El Centro, that night sky, and all that beautiful humidity that rivals Florida. Michael, your voice is amazing. Well, thank you for that. I really do appreciate that. But yes, it is now that time that we sort of drift off in the night. Yeah, it's 1040. That means it is that time to let you guys uh, go here. Oh yeah, it's almost that time to let you guys go. Once again, boys and girls, it's always a honor and pleasure to do this. I had fun, you had fun, we laughed, we cried. We got to know each other. You gotta learn that I don't give up as easy as you might have thought. I can't be stopped that easy. You try to take me down, I'm gonna make sure I take you down. Commit that to memory. Stay safe, boys and girls. Stay safe. You never know what's going to happen. And as I like to say, there's nothing more frightening than reality. Oh, yeah. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place. And life itself is a mystery. Until next time. Mahalo. Transmission now.